Hey, Hi. Stephanie. Hey. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. That's good. And I just want to say welcome back to the show again. I do appreciate you taking the time out of your night to join us. I do appreciate that. Of course, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And for tonight's episode, we're actually doing The Sopranos Season 6, Part 1. On the podcast, it's going to be known as Side A. So just think of it as a cassette tape that you guys can just go on and have flip over once we do uh, Part 2, and that would be called Side B. And let everyone know what you do uh, and where everybody can follow you at. Uh, sure. So uh, my name is Stephanie Rosendorf-Diaz. I'm actually an attorney by profession. I also do some freelance writing projects and I help teach a course on urban policy and community economic development. Uh, on the Sopranos side, I have a blog called Sopranos Blueprint that I've been uh, working on for about a year. And it has blog posts on episodes, themes, characters, along with quizzes and then Sopranos memes and GIFs. So you all can find me at sopranosblueprint.com. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at srosendorf1014, uh, Instagram at srosendorfdiaz, uh, and also on TikTok uh, at Sopranos Blueprint. All right. And so anyways, this first episode is called Members Only. This is the first episode of The Sopranos Season 6. And this is actually where we find Vito. He loses weight. Janice has a daughter now. Bobby's train set, which I find ridiculous like tony does in a sense <laughs> um meadow and finn um are together still so they didn't pack their bags or anything like that no one said goodbye uh-huh. like we thought on season five <laughs> with the suitcase <laughs> right and then aj um is actually in college now we see him doing these stupid selfies and everything acting ridiculous and then carmela and adriana spec house dream so this is actually what allowed me to think that maybe the spec house is, is built right where Adriana's body is at because of that dream. Yeah. So I, I think that it's, it's, you know, whether, I don't know if it's being built right where her body is, but I think it's intended to essentially be in that area. It, it's, right. it's meant to kind of, you know, connect the two. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of powerful overall. Exactly. It does give, definitely give us that little bit of an overhaul, like what we got with whenever Adriana got whacked, assuming that's where she's actually at. And then we have Tony digging for money for Uncle Junior. And Janice shows up uh, late to take Uncle Junior to the doctor. Problems with all, he's having more problems with Alzheimer's. Johnny and Phil sit down with Johnny in prison asking about uh, Tony and Phil are getting along. Phil buried the hatchet, still mourning over his brother. Eugene wants to retire and move to Florida. Tony and Carmela goes to a sushi sh- restaurant asking about Adriana. Hashes about uh, is being smoked out of, over something. Eli did. So, and then, of course, this is also where we actually meet uh, with Vito losing weight, buys a new suit, busting, and then of course the guys are busting his balls. Uh, Bill acting boss while Johnny is in prison. Jerry in the hospital. A lot of stuff is happening in this first episode. Oh, oh yeah, it's 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 funny. I was kind of trying to prepare for for this evening and kind of write down some notes and and things about what I wanted to say. And then it's just it's overwhelming because there really is just so much. I mean, I feel like couple hours could be devoted just to this episode 
Um, but my first thing that really stuck out to me was just the opening montage with the seven souls that to me, it's like, I, I find it to be one of the best, you know, openings in television history. And it's just, there's so much to analyze, even just that opening, I feel like could be, you know, put into a book, but uh, it, it really, I feel like goes to show just how, how much there is in, with the Sopranos, how it's so much more than just a show about the mafia. Uh, so much like philosophy and, and thoughts of concepts of life and death. And I think season six is where we, you know, season five ended with that. We were forced to really confront uh, death and, and kind of their nature with uh, Adriana's killing, but it really it's season six, it's just so dark. And so you really all piles on kind of right away. Most definitely. And also too, like I mentioned with the opening scene, we get to see the transformations of each character, what they're going through since season five. I definitely love how much the characters have changed since then over a year, how much they've changed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's kind of, it, it's, it really is foreshadowing because of course, as we see with Vito in the beginning, and then, uh, you know, we also have Raymond Curto who's in there and you're kind of like, you know, you wonder almost at first, like, oh, that's interesting that, that he's part of it because, you know, he's he's kind of generally in the background. And so you don't typically think of him as one of the you know, main people that would be featured somewhere. But of course, it makes sense that he is obviously as he's one of the rats. And then also, as we'll see, you know, later in the season, he, he ends up dying. But uh, just that, that that opening, I feel like, you know, so many people, including myself, but others even more so than me have you know, really like dug into that and, and tried analyzing it and, and thinking about what it means for the season finale, and the series finale. And uh, yeah, there's just there's a lot to say. Right. There's a lot of soak to just absorb and soak in and everything with this whole entire season. And even whenever you get down to uh, Uncle, whenever you see Tony digging for money for Uncle Junior and everything, because he doesn't remember where he um, buried some of the money. And I thought that was actually pretty funny. Uh-huh. Was... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, and I just thought that was pretty funny because Uncle Junior was like, no, it's not this hole. It has to be somewhere else in this yard. That has to be it right there, right where you're standing. So I thought that was pretty funny. Right, right. And then it was interesting how then when the neighbor looked over and Tony was like, oh, we're just digging <laughs> so some sort of maintenance because it was like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, we're just digging for the $40,000. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I just thought that was hilarious because I do know Italians do hide their money like that. So <laughs> uh, let's see. And then, of course, you know, Janice is all about Janice. She doesn't care about Uncle Junior like she puts on a big, huge thing for it. Remember when Bobby's uh, wife passed away and she goes, oh, you just need to go on ahead and just move on, you know, and take care of uncle jr and now we see the exact opposite of what's going on with her. oh yeah absolutely well with janice it's you know at the end of the day janice is about janice and i mm-hmm. it's, you know sh- she got acted so put out at the idea of having to watch junior at all and i remember i think it was actually i don't know if it was this season or the prior season where bobby was like sometimes i think i love uncle june more than you do and it's like you know, yeah that's that's you do but uh I think, you know, kind of tensions a lot ended up becoming of, of, of that issue. And especially when Tony ended up being shot, when technically they were would have originally been watching Junior. I think, you know, there's a lot of resentment that Tony obviously has for that. Exactly. Because he's, he's on, if you look at the way he's looking at Bobby and the way he's looking yeah. at Janice, 
it's like if I wasn't here for you two uh, at Junior's house and everything, I wouldn't have gotten shot. Uh-huh. Right, which is kind of ridiculous yeah. for him to say that, but you know, like it makes it makes sense just knowing how they work. Exactly, because they were both trying to get out of watching Junior that night oh. and everything. Because don't forget, you had Bobby that was um, on a train schedule for his train set. Uh huh. You know, although I actually, which I, I actually think, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I feel like Bobby, you know, I whether or not I like the the train that specifically, you know, I kind of, I, I saw it as a, you know, a nice little hobby for him. And I kind of felt badly right. because it's like, you know, he's always work. He's always like either he's working or he's helping him junior or he's helping Dana. So it's like, you know, I, I really didn't like when, when Janice made him feel like crap for it. I was like, Jesus, his little hobby. He's just right. trying to enjoy himself for a little bit. Exactly. And then even his own son doesn't understand it either. Because he goes, hey, look, look check out the uh, wood chop action over there. Just look at it. <laughs> yeah, you could tell his son, he's like getting into that adolescent age where it's like, okay, you're about to become really, really mean and nasty to your parents. Right. But, uh... Uh, then, of course, you know, like I said, once again, Junior's having a hard time with the Alzheimer's. And then Johnny and uh, Phil sit down. Pretty much they end up sitting down in prison and talking about how are things going with Tony and how they're getting along. So you can definitely tell that he's still tensed. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's it's it was so weird how everything kind of all happened all of a sudden with, with Johnny getting arrested at the end of season five. So it's almost like I had to see him in prison before you're like, oh wow, he's like, yeah, that's right. He got <laughs> he got arrested, but that, that kind of all happened very suddenly. But I guess that's just the nature of some things. Exactly. Right, especially at how quick he got arrested and then how fast Tony had to get himself out of there so that way he wouldn't get arrested himself if since he, they thought that the feds were after him. So uh-huh. there's that on how quickly everything escalated. Right, definitely. Um and also you may have been you may be already planning on touching on this, but I think, you know, the most one of the most heartbreaking parts of, of members only was Eugene with this whole entire story. Oh yeah, because Eugene wants to retire and move to Florida, uh-huh. and everything, which he doesn't want to even be involved. Like, right, and then I just feel bad for him. Like he's trying everything he can to win uh, Tony over with uh, buying different things for Tony. And he goes, "Hey, Tony, you, did you get that? From, get that?" And he goes, "Yeah, I got it, and everything." And he's just trying everything he can to move to Florida. He's got a house that him and his wife is looking at. He wants to move his kids into a better neighborhood because of the fact that his son's now starting to smoke uh, crack or getting drugs from somewhere. And he just wants the best for his family. And he wants to retire. And even Tony tells him, he goes, look, man, you made your decision a long time ago. You don't retire from, from this at all, you know? So right, and I just yeah, and I think it's 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 oh. it's unfortunate because I almost feel like, you know, even, it, I don't even know if it was so much that he wanted to to retire because I'm sure he would have been you know willing to to still you know work for all intents and purposes. I think he just he wanted to make you know his wife and his family happy, um, and it's just you know when everything fell through and it was just heartbreaking. That was heartbreaking to see him commit suicide and 
you know, like I said, he just wanted the best for him. And then when Syl gives him the no, it's like, what the hell do I do from here? You know, it's like, you know, uh, my wife is expecting this. She wants me to uh, uh, to go to Florida. She wants, we found a house that we love, but I can't do what I want because Tony's not letting me out. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's it, interestingly enough, you know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll go over this in, uh, in, in part two, but uh, there are theories that Eugene's death uh, is connected to the series finale with the, the members only jacket. Uh, there was a one a guy that one of the guys that that walked into Holston's was wearing a members only jacket, and so when you think of Eugene, uh, was wearing a members only jacket in the beginning, and uh, before he died. So that's just another kind of a side note uh, that that's something that some people talk about, and also not to mention that his wife certainly would have you know wanted Tony dead when, she, um, when she mentioned in the, the first episode. Why don't you just pull a, a, a fucking bullet in his head? So she kind of already wanted him out. And so that's just one theory that some folks think of. Right. And I I can completely understand that because, you know, if I was, if I lost somebody close to me and everything and they wanted out and they can't, and the only way it was, I was suicide and I lost somebody that I cared about. Yeah. And that other person was held responsible for it. Yeah. I would definitely feel the same way she did, to be honest with you. Yeah. You could see she already hated him even prior to, to Eugene's death. Definitely. And then, of course, now we see uh, Tony and Carmela. She, they're at a sushi restaurant. And she's asking about Adriana. Oh, yeah, and he's like, oh, goodness. He, he he's like wants to talk about anything besides Adriana. Right. And uh, as far as he's concerned, Adriana's dead. Not, not, you know what I'm talking about, like, in, not in the physical sense, but like mentally dead because he can't let her know that she's dead, dead. But, you know, just say basically saying look it's over between chris and him chris and her and that's it that's the end of the story just drop it but she just keeps on going with right and everything especially this beck dream that she told tony right right and then then later of course in the season when she she has a dream while she's in paris of seeing adriana and cassette but i think it's it's you know we're so used to to tony telling everyone oh they went into witness protection but it's like with this you know we couldn't clearly (laughs) couldn't say that so uh you know, I, I part of me thinks that Carmela, you know, sort of knew or, or she she had a feeling. I mean, I just think that she knows deep down that you know Adrian wouldn't want to just kind of just disappear like that uh, without leaving uh, her mother behind and all that stuff without the mo- mother knowing. Even though Chris and her had a fallen out, but remember when Chris and her had a fallen out, Adriana went straight to her mother, Liz. Right, and they were very close. Like even in season four, you remember they were chatting on the phone, and um, when she was in the mall. So it's not like they right. were estranged. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And one more. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say. No, no, no. Go on. There's I'm one uh, for for members only that I uh, that stuck out to me was uh, Agent Harris. How he comes back, and then he says he was overseas in Pakistan. Uh, but now he's back and it's, you can kind of tell that, you know, they're, they're starting to become more explicitly allied. Uh, whereas in the past, you know, when he was investigating them, or they, when they were his number one priority, right. you know, it, it wasn't quite as friendly, but now that he's essentially you know, moved on to other priorities, terrorism, et cetera. Now, you know, he'll be going to, to Tony for info. 
which I find hilarious, though, to be honest with you, because it's like, okay, Tony's just a small fish, right? Now we have to go up to these uh, terrorists and everything, especially this also takes place a couple uh-huh. years after 9-11. This also takes place during the Bush years. So you have this whole entire terrorism thing going on. So what better way to do it than to talk to Tony about it? See if he knew anybody, if any of his crew knew anybody. Right. And it's also, to me, it also just goes to show how, like, how how much the FBI, how much they played or how much, how much kind of they tossed around the lives of, of, you know, their informants. And again, not to say that they were all perfect. Obviously they all had their flaws, you know, Adriana, Eugene, uh, you know, all of them. But at the same time, the way in which they just kind of tossed them aside and, and, and threw them away, like, okay, we don't need them anymore or whatever. Like assuming that probably, you know, they had to know that they were killed. And just kind of moving on to their next assignment. Like for them, it was just an assignment. But for, you know, the, for the people, it was their lives. Exactly. Because if you remember, Agent Harris, at that time, there was no terrorists going around at that time or anything like that, too, whenever they were first investigating right. Tony. So he wasn't distracted by terrorists or anything like that. So he thought that Tony was the big threat. Then come to find out years later, Tony is not as um not a, that a big of a deal compared to right. It was just like they're you know they kind of had to 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 triage things and pre nine eleven, which is the first three seasons, you know it, it you know global terror. We weren't in the you know the war on terror, so there was much more of a focus on you know the domestic going on of of organized crime. Uh, but then of course you know the 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 bigger issue became terrorism, and then of course you know there's there's lots of, of, of political, you know, implications and whatnot, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, the idea really that for the FBI, it's, it's, it's just a work, an assignment, but then for the others, it's their lives that kind of always, you know, stuck out to me throughout the entire series. Right. That's very true. I didn't think of it like that. That's, a, I, I do commend you on that part because I didn't think about that. Oh, um, no, 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 that was it. it was, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's something that I just, I think about Sorry. often. Okay. Oh, okay. So then we have, of course, the scene with Hish and and Eli being smoked out of, out of the car. That was that was that was brutal. I felt felt felt, felt very very badly. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that you know, of course, it wasn't the 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 main event of the episode, but it kind of just you know, it, season six was really rough for Hash overall, <laughs> and that's certainly it was it was not off to a good start with that. Definitely not. I felt bad for Eli. I felt bad about that. It happened to Hesh. He almost died and being spoke out of the car. Uh-huh. I thought that was really upsetting. Yeah. Let's see. And then we also have Vito losing. He lost weight and buys a new suit. And the guys are busting his balls. Oh, um, yeah. I think for, well, with Sorry. Vito, and of course, we, you know, we didn't know it then, but you can always tell like, okay, there's some, he's going to be involved in this, in this season in some significant way, even though of course we didn't, didn't know it yet, but uh, you know, and I think it also just goes to show you never know what's, what's really going on behind closed doors or in someone's head because people would probably look at him and say, Oh, this guy, he's doing so well. Like he just lost weight. He's really, you know, he's, he's kind of on it, you know, at his, at his A game. And then of course there's this whole other world that we don't even know about. Exactly, because Vito is the type of person that, on the outside, he's the best father. He he helps his kids out, his wife. He's on, but on the 
But on the inside, though, he's not being true to right. himself. He's uncomfortable in his own right. skin. Right, and I think that there's a lot, of, which is interesting. It's, I mean, of course, not not necessarily in the, the same way as, as Vito, but I think more or less almost all of the the guys are, you know, in some way, uh, you know, not 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 all of them. There, there are certain ones that I think are more, you know, secure and content. But, you know, especially when I think about Tony and then I think about Polly, Christopher, um, so much of the common issue or common theme is identity or lack thereof and them not really feeling comfortable with their identity or, or even knowing what that is, what their, what their purpose is, what they really stand for. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, and Vito doesn't really know where he stands with anything. He's just, if you think about it, Vito's kind of like on autopilot where he's so used to doing everything to the point where he's just lost himself into, into it all. And he just doesn't feel comfortable in it with his own sexuality. He doesn't know quite what to do or how to come out of it, come out and tell everybody, especially when it was frowned upon on the mob. So he has a lot of anxiety oh, yeah. to actually work out. Definitely. I, there's the one quote. It. It's uh, not in this episode. It's actually, uh, it's in Johnny Cakes, which is in uh, season six, episode eight. But it's when Vito says, sometimes you tell lies so long, you don't know when to stop. You don't know when it's safe. And that always just like really mm-hmm. gets me because it's like, it just, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty heavy, but uh, it was certainly something that I think, you know, can resonate with, with, with all of us or just as, as humans. Definitely. Because, you know, people do that all the time where, you know, they wind up lying to themselves before, you know, they start believing in it. And that's what they go off of. So I can definitely say that would be something that someone could relate to with uh, with Vito. Uh-huh. With that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, as we'll see later in the the season with, you know, Polly, he felt, you know, he once he found out that uh, Dottie was his mother and that Nucci was just his aunt, he felt like he had lost his identity. He didn't even know who he was, which, of course, was, I think, Polly reacted to that and handled that very poorly. But overall the sense that you know who you think you are who you are in many ways is is intertwined with you know what what you do or the people you're connected to or the family the places and so if someone just all of a sudden you know if 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 they're not actually connected to that person place or thing it's you know you can really you know you don't know who you are sometimes exactly you end up losing yourself before anything else and uh then we also have phil acting boss while johnny's in prison so what do you think about that it's it's interesting i used to when i you know first watched the show i couldn't stand phil for obvious reasons you know for for not not obvious reasons but you know i i thought he was right you know total you know like total antagonist villain um but then when i the more i watched it the more i began to at least kind of respect in some ways who he was because you know he was old school he did have rules uh, you know even later in the series also in actually season six episode 12 he'd said whack a boss i won't do that so like even as much as he despised tony at that moment that was right after the whole uh, little carmine said whatever happened there um you know even, even oh yeah and then they right. blew up the the um the shop you know he's still 
wanted to play by the rules. So at least in that sense, I, I you know, I respect, I respect him for that. Um, and also, you know, he was in prison for 20 years and never spoke. So, you know, he's uh, obviously has a hell of a lot of flaws and is extremely, extremely you know, closed minded, but you know, at least, you know, where you stand with him. Exactly. And I feel like with the New York family, you have two different generations. You have the old school generation and then you have Tony, which is like the newer generation mob and everything with the way that they're running things and things like that. And and I actually have to say, I do respect Bill because he's like, well, I can't, he may get on my nerves, but I can't whack a boss. I have to, unless it's like for good reasons or whatever, if they're going to war against each other. And things like that. What uh, Tony did was he just went on ahead and bombed his business to send a message. It wasn't necessarily to kill Phil. It was just to send a message on who right. was in control. And right, Phil understood right, that. exactly. I mean, you. It's like you knew once that that sit down didn't go well. I mean, it was. It was you know, we could only imagine what other you know what other bloodshed was to come. But I think it was just. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, these if little things could have happened or not happened, what would have been different? So it's like if little Cameron, if he hadn't said your brother Billy, whatever happened there, like, what would have, what what would have happened or what would have not happened? But uh, I guess, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. Exactly, and I have to laugh at when Tony says, "Why would you bring that up?" Because he even I get this, Phil even admitted to Johnny. He said, "You asked me to bury the hatchet, I bury the hatchet, and that's it." And then Carmine just goes on ahead and just doesn't think and just says, you know, <laughs> whatever happened to that thing. And that's <laughs> it goes, whatever that happened thing? there, <laughs> the shooting, the shooting, whatever, whatever yeah. happened there. <laughs> God rest his soul. Right. right. It was really funny, though. It's a classic scene. Which I thought. Definitely, definitely classic. Something that I, I laugh at every single time because Carmine is just stupid. To be honest with you, no wonder, like, I understand where he was going with, where he said that he didn't know where to go after he did all the stuff he did in season five and things like that, where he would go to pick up the reins. And then he winds up dropping out. And now, of course, you know, Johnny becomes the boss. And now we have Phil that's the boss. So that's pretty interesting how the transition happens with that. Um Let's see. And then, of course, Jerry is in the hospital. Hesh and Eli, which is uh, Hesh's son-in-law. Carmela and her father are at the Speck house. Inspectors say it's not up to code over the lumber. So what thing do you want to tackle on? Do you want to to mention anything about Eli and Hesh again with the hospital? Or is that just Uh, something that's Yeah, that's sort of how how I took it. I I definitely want to make sure to go into the the tony hospital with uh, you know in, in six uh, season six episode two three and four because i think that that's something that's uh a lot goes on oh. there as well definitely we are going to get into the dream sequences and everything with this because i do have a theory with the buddhist part that i mentioned when you tweeted that out so i want to actually yeah i'd love to i'd, I'd love to hear your, your your thoughts on that Okay, so let me see if there's anything on my notes for episode one that is actually even that great. Tony and the uh, 
there's also Artie's restaurant. Ray dies, giving the FBI a tape during the funeral. Eugene gives Tony a cut of the inheritance money, which I find that's not going to help his matters uh, with the retirement, whenever he wants to retire, and with him giving him his, his answer. Um, AJ gives a suit to one of his friends. Sylvia tells Eugene about retiring as a no-go. Eugene hangs himself. This is what we talked about. Um, Kristen's Eugene to whack someone that owes the money. Then we have the jo- Janice and Bobby fight over the hobby with the train set. Tony is fighting with Bobby. Okay, so we can actually skip some of this that I, that I mentioned because this is also when... Oh, yeah, okay. This is actually something I need to talk about, too. Um, that's actually when Tom, uh, when Bobby winds up saying that Tony has to take care of uh, Uncle June then th- that pushes Tony into watching Uncle June. Like I said, Uncle Junior shoots Tony, thinking that it's pussy. Tony calls 911 and cuts to black. With Uncle Junior uh, running up uh, the stairs, hides the gun under the bed, and hides in the closet. Yeah, that I just, it was, you know, I always felt, felt badly for, uh, not not that I, you know, obviously he just shot Tony, but I just, he, you know, I I, I had no doubt in my mind that he, it was from his illness because it was just the way he just hid in the closet like that. It was just, you know, he wouldn't have been in his right, right mind on that. Definitely not. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that too. If he was in his right mind, he wouldn't even have right. shot uh, Tony to begin with or anything like that. That gun wouldn't have not been in his hand, but with him running up the stairs, like Mr. Magoo and then hiding, that made me chuckle a little bit, but also felt concerned for Tony though. Because I was wondering, like, when that scene happens, like, the very first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, shit. no, no, it was so out of nowhere. You know? And I'm like, okay, this is where all the other seasons were setting up, where basically Junior wanted to kill him, and then he winds up shooting him in season six. Right. So. Right, yeah, it's, it's you know, ironic, yeah, because, ironic. Like, like you said, he, although I don't think he intentionally shot Tony this time, he, you know, essentially he, he had attempted to, to have him killed before. So in many ways, this was almost like his, his continuation of that. And then as, as well as, as Pussy Malanga, which is um, interesting because that's who he had wanted to take out in the pilot, which is why uh, Tony had Artie's restaurant burned down so that Jun- Uncle Junior wouldn't do that. Um, so it's just kind of interesting how everything kind of comes full circle. Right. I like how it all uh, came into full focus on that scene, to be honest with you, because it ties everything in. It's like a conclusion to the first couple of seasons right. with the first season, to be honest with you. It actually has that conclusion where Uncle Junior pretty much thinks that he shot Pussy, so therefore uh-huh. that storyline yeah, is true. now done. <laughs> you know? That's true. Uh, so, so now we have joined the club, and this is where the dream sequences start happening and Tony wakes up in a hotel confused at where he's where he's at calls Carmela no answer goes to the bar helicopter flying over him western division now here's the thing when he's Uh looking out and you see the little lighthouse 
my first initial thoughts was it's the doctors waving the yeah, so that, light so in his I, eyes. I thought of that uh, and or kind of uh, you know like crossing over to the other side, which I interestingly I think that many times and I don't know this I'm not a, not a doctor, mm. but many times when when people that are uh, you know awake from from comas or or after being unconscious at the hospital, they'll say that they saw a light and and I always think about whether you know like how much of that was just from the lights overhead as opposed to, you know, whatever. And I, I don't know the answer, of course, but uh, mm. I, I, that's kind of what I, what I thought of, the, you know, the lights right. and or the symbol of, of heaven or, or crossing over. And you see, the helicopter flying over him, I thought that represented him being in a helicopter, being flown out for some reason. But then I realized, too, he wouldn't be flown out of a helicopter concerning the fact he was not in a wreck or anything. So that wouldn't make sense for him to be in that in a helicopter, unless right. It's interesting when you said helicopter. I, I thought about the in season four when when uh, when Furio almost tried to kill him when they were when they were going back from the casino. <laughs> yeah, right. that was uh, interesting that the, that the helicopter <laughs> occurs again. But the, yeah, that was uh, th- that was this is a definitely a heavy one. Um, but I continue on with what you were saying about the, the, the dream sequence. Okay. So then this is where we find out that Tony actually has two different, uh, somehow or another, he has a different briefcase. It gets switched up. He, a matter of fact, he's actually confused with Kevin Finity. Whenever he goes to this convention, uh, that he's supposed to go to, and like I said, Tony can't stay at the same hotel, so he has to go to another hotel. The Costamosa bartender says it's it's dead. My first initial thought is that's probably everybody that is in that area that's completely dead. Like uh-huh. you're surrounded with nothing but yeah. dead people. Oh, sorry. What I don't know why say? I couldn't hear you. Could you repeat that? For some reason I couldn't couldn't I could not hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I can hear um, you now. Right. Can you hear me okay right now? I'm just wondering. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So what I was thinking was this: when Tony can't stay at the same hotel, right? At the custom, uh, he, the bartender says it's dead. So my first initial thought was he's yeah, surrounded per- perhaps, by nothing but dead or, people. Uh, I maybe kind of overall the the episode. I thought a lot about uh, symbols of like life and death and and kind of mortality and. That's also what I think has to do with uh, with Kevin Finnerty, the last name uh, in general, like being kind of infinity or infinity, uh, like the limit being alive for a limited time. But I think there were just there, there were a lot of, of symbols of, of life and death as a whole, and including uh, including what you said there. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking with the Kevin Finnerty thing, what if whenever you die or whatever maybe you don't go by your birthday right well that's 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 true too and i and i think you know overall kevin finnerty as a whole was representative of you know this this alternate tony so you know if if tony had been a different tony if he had gone Mm. if he had you know sold heating systems or or patio furniture or, or just been a regular salesman like you know this 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 might have been his life um, even in the episode, it's interesting. I noticed that his voice 
was softer, like kind of similar to how when he uh, in the first episode, like pilot, when he has a, mm-hmm. a like a very kind of a lighter voice. But I noticed this too in this episode, especially when he was checking in uh, with, with the woman when he couldn't uh, when he noticed he had the wrong ID. Uh, you could tell like even just his his voice was like softer. It was it was more it was gentler than you know that than Tony Sopranos as we know it. So I feel like it just really it. Uh, it, it symbolized a, a different Tony, like a different dimension. That's actually pretty cool, though, that if you actually think about it. It's like a what-if scenario. Right. What if Tony didn't go down the road of being a mobster and everything? So yeah, that actually I, does I, make you know, sense and I, and to I think, think that about that's it. that's something that, you know, we could largely grasp or, or realize, you know, without necessarily the, the dream sequence. But... It's funny, the, the more I was watching, as I was watching a couple of episodes over the past couple of days just to, to prepare and review, and there were so many things from like 6-2, 6-3, 6-4 that I started writing down, and it was having to do with, with Kevin Finnerty, and I was like, oh, maybe I need to look more into Kevin Finnerty because I've I've always you know, not been so into the, the dream sequences, which I know is is kind of a, of the minority opinion, but... Mm-hmm. It was only for some reason today when I started uh, reviewing, I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, no, now I'm going to jump into that rabbit hole. <laughs> As you know, it can like be invented. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to stay limited. But uh, <laughs> I guess that's one of the best parts of a exactly. is that you really can just like learn something more each time, even if you've seen it a million times. Most definitely, because doing these reviews since July with Mike, and everything too, I picked up on things that I never would have thought I would actually pick up on. So it actually enhances the experience for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and you re- see those little, you again. see things and notice things and you hear things that you're like, wait, that, that person said something similar in this episode or, you know, that's, that means this. And it's like, kind of like a light bulb turns all on all of a sudden. Um, e- even also with, uh, in terms of wording, exactly. I think it's interesting how, uh, the place that Tony's uh, uh, watching and that he sees on TV when he's at the bar is Costa Mesa. And to me, that makes me think of uh, Cosa Nostra. Uh, like the, so that's, I don't know if you had noticed that too, but I thought that was funny. Yep. Yeah, I noticed that, to be honest with you. I'm like, okay, so that's yeah. uh, similar to Cosa Nostra. I'm uh-huh. like, okay, that's pretty cool on how they actually reference that. And, you know, I'm, and I know that you said that the dream sequences weren't your favorite, so I'm glad that you um, gave us some insight into what you thought about these dream sequences, because I was going to ask you, what was your experience with this compared to the others? But, you know, I thought that with this, it gave us a lot more. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was certainly interesting. And I think that, uh, you know, there, there's just, there, there's a lot, and, and, you know, whether or not it's Kevin Finnerty or Tony Spirano, I, I think that it, I think the dream sequence is what they do do a good job of is, is showing how there's so much below the surface. Like for, for some, if, if someone had been confused and, and didn't think that, you know, the Sopranos was about anything more than, you know, than, 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 than gangsters and organized crime and sex and fucking ZD that like th- watching these episodes, they would, they would understand that, right. that it's so much more. Most definitely. And then uh, then after this, we actually have Tony making out with the woman that he met at a bar. She tells him that it isn't going to happen. That's when the helicopter lights from above. Tony's being 
zap with a BiPAP machine. Uh, white lights, exam room, Tony's eyes are open. Tony passes out. Doctors rush to get the tube back in his mouth. Polly and Cell in the waiting room. Two nights in the waiting room. They spend two nights in the waiting room. Doctors doesn't know if Tony is going to live. Chris holding Meadow's hand. AJ thinks Tony is going to make it. Because he huh. says, uh, yeah, one thing I thought that was Sopranos, interesting. That was interesting. Know, how he couldn't like call him dad. How he kept like, calling him Tony Soprano. Right. Which I thought was funny. Um, but was there anything that you wanted to uh, talk about as far as the tube coming um, out of his mouth? You know, the, overall, uh, I just, eyes you know, I, I, like that. I felt so horribly just, of course, for, for you know, Meadow and Carmela and for, uh, you know, of course, for AJ. And, it, you know, especially, like, watching mm-hmm. it and then thinking about now, like, you know, imagine if, if this had happened during that time, they probably wouldn't even, they wouldn't even be allowed in the hospital right now. It's like, it's just like, you know, imagine if all that was happening and they couldn't even go to see him. Like if that had happened, you know, in 2020 or 2021 with, with COVID and all of that. So it's just, you know, anything with hospitals, it's like, you know, it makes me right. feel badly when I think about the present day. Same here as well, to be honest with you. If this was taking uh-huh. place during the COVID thing, it would be 10 times harder on that on them, you know, or any family in general. And it just breaks my heart seeing people, especially with me working in the healthcare uh, facilities and everything too. It breaks my heart to seeing families oh, not being able to that, see and, each and, other and, and things like so that. You know, so you certainly know. You know. Right. Yeah, I work in the uh, purchasing department oh, over wow. there. And, oh, and it's wow. also yeah, connected to a nursing home. So I can actually uh, relate. <laughs> fatalities are since. Yeah, that's that's rough. Right. So let's see here. Then we have Tony having a dream checking into another hotel. Two Buddhists thinks Tony is Kevin and wants to file suit against him. So it's interesting as I, what I I (laughs) took away from from that scene, of course, you know, the things that they, that that they mentioned when, you know, when they go into the, I guess it's more in, in, in mayhem when they talk about saying one day we will all die. But I thought the whole, the whole filing a lawsuit, it, it, it made me think about how, you know, Tony's in Tony Soprano's world and, and organized crime, like they have their own system of justice. So if someone, you know, ripped someone off or, 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 or did someone wrong, they wouldn't solve it by filing a lawsuit. Like Phil wouldn't go file a lawsuit against Tony or et cetera, et cetera. But how, you know, this is like for, you know, Kevin Finnerty and for, you know, people that are, that are, you know, that, that abide by the, the law and don't have their own kind of separate system of justice. Like that's something that they would do like file a lawsuit, but it's like, it's just, I never associate Tony Soprano or any of them with lawsuits because, you know, since that's not the kind of, that's not the justice system that they use. Same. Exactly, because, you know, they don't even like ratting out on each other or anything like that. If someone commits another crime in another right. family, they don't rat out that family. They take care of the business and that's it and they move on. So, you know, when I thought about these two Buddhists, I was thinking of, you know, people that Tony winded up double backstabbing. Uh-huh. People that he owed money to that he never paid. And everything. And also, too, don't forget, he also took money from people 
and things like that. And also, too, never paid them back either. So in this life and everything is nothing but money, if you think about it. So whenever I think of the two Buddhists, I'm thinking it's uh, pretty much right. people in right. his yeah, past definitely. that he and didn't pay money to. And it also goes to show that even, you know, even if you're just thinking of Kevin Finnerty, like, you know, normal people do bad things, too. And that's why, you know, normal people, want, some people, you know, they sue uh, other individuals because they've also been wronged and might not be, you know, whether whether beaten to a pulp or, or, or you know, paralyzed or something as, as horrendous as we're used to seeing. But, you know, everyone has flaws. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, of the degree to, to, to you know, or where along the spectrum that is. Exactly. Because, like you said too before, with Kevin, it wasn't exactly in his nature to probably do something, but he probably got tangled up into something that he didn't mean to do. Right, right. So that's also, yeah, over. you can have good intentions or, or not have bad intentions, but that doesn't mean that no one's going to get hurt. Exactly. Uh, then, let's see, Tony just wants to come home. And now, Here's the thing. I have in parentheses that on the phone, it doesn't sound like Carmella. Yeah, so it felt, it, so I haven't you, it sounds like Gloria. been able to like conclude on the other who end. specifically that is. I, I don't know if that's if I think they might do that on purpose in terms of not, you know, not make it obvious because I think it's more of just the overall like idea that, OK, this is kind of this is this alternate life. Like this is, you know, some generic kind of generic or I mean, not generic woman. But like, and not Carmela, and just as just being part of the overall like different life. But I could be. I mean, uh, this is just, that's just my that. perspective. Certainly, that's actually um, a pretty interesting idea because, mm, right, 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 right. I'm just, I, I'm just saying I, I like your perspective though on that because it actually enhances me to actually think a little bit more about it too. Because I have like in parentheses I have. Sounds like Gloria? Question mark on it because it does sound like oh, Gloria. That's so I was thinking maybe Gloria is in this afterlife yeah. as well. That would make with sense. some of the things that actually because I'm because th- remember what Chris says whenever he in season three or well season two when he gets shot, he said that he didn't go to heaven or anything. He went to purgatory. Oh and he yeah, saw everybody so, yeah, that he did wrong. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. So I wonder, yeah, like, were they in, was Kevin Finnerty, was, were they in purgatory? Like, was that, because it, it's, it sounded a lot, uh, a lot worse from how, with how Christopher described it. But yeah, it's, I guess when, you know, when you get into that, you're like, so where exactly yeah. were you? Was that like a, just kind of a holding cell or like, were you, you know, where, where exactly was he during this whole dream sequence? If we're assuming that he was right. in some other place. That's something that I was wondering about too myself. Like, what else did Chris see? But they didn't really give us any more stuff. But it seems like to me that maybe Tony might be in Purgatory, but a different, fancier part of Purgatory, which he's the mob boss. So, of course, he might get treated a little bit differently, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but um, Tony falls down the stairs. And I'm I'm using this as a metaphor that maybe he was trying to come out of the coma. And then something winded up happening within the coma. Yeah, itself well, I noticed how they, they, you know, he opens his eyes at one point, the and then they have to, you know, move. Out. So I, I, yeah, I, I think that that could, 
uh, right. you know, could be part of, you know, something that's going on in the actual world that's, you know, making him feel certain things in there. Right. Um, then we have Meadow and Carmelo waiting to see if Tony will come out of the coma. Surgery is a success. Level one trauma center. Also, too, I just want to point out uh-huh. that, you know, the little Asian guy that's in, in this episode? Oh. He's actually Masuka from Dexter. That, that is cool. So I've so, actually, I've never seen Dexter. Cool. My, my husband that always they, uh, <laughs> raves about it. So I'll have to watch it at some point. But uh, that's cool, though. I also have a question for you, too. Do you feel like this hospital doesn't have very good bed um, when it comes down to patient care or anything oh, like no, that? Oh, no, they have or horrible bedside manner. The doctor, this, this hospital doesn't well, really actually, have that. The nurse, too. But the doctor mm-hmm. is just, yeah, it's 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 ironic because it reminds me of, of when Tony and Pilot says to Carmelo, what a wonderful bedside manner. But, yeah, no, I would, I, I completely understand Meadow's frustration <laughs> here because that was just, yeah. It was like pretty, very robotic and, and not, you know, sensitive. Exactly. They were insensitive to Tony's feelings, also insensitive to Meadow, who was just trying to be there with, with her dad, trying to think of something to to uh-huh. just hold on to him. And maybe he might feel something next. next yeah, to, it was very, know? I mean, it makes, it makes me think thinking also, of, those of, lines you know, later all. in the next couple episodes, we'll see the, the lady with the insurance who was trying to send him home and was just so awful too, like in terms of bedside manner. Definitely. Uh, Then of course, well, remember with the insurance thing, they were just trying to get him out of there after he woke up. They didn't care about if he was ready or not. Oh yeah. They just, you know, they're like, basically as long as you're not, you're not critically ill anymore. Like, all right, let's get you out of there. Which I think was a lot of like kind of um, right was meant but to make us it... think about the healthcare system as a whole. I think kind of that's what you know it, it was purposely like ridiculous mm-hmm. because I think it, it you know it was, I think they wanted us to kind of start to consider you know just those those issues as a, as a whole in terms of you know what the standards of, of care are and what you know our system of medicine in the United States is, you know, they kept mentioning the insurance card, the insurance card. Uh, otherwise you would have been taken to this public hospital. So, you know, that, that kind of stuck out to me as well. Right. Because insurance agencies and everything are not that good, that great, to be honest with you on some of it. So I can definitely relate to, relate to that part with Tony as well. With uh, with being into a public uh, healthcare facility, so let's see here. Then we have Sill acting boss while Tony's in a coma. He collects money and gives it to Carmella, and this is also something else too during this time too, because that's when Vito tells Polly about this uh-huh. other money that these Puerto Ricans oh, yep. have. <laughs> supposedly remember and <laughs> and I thought that was actually funny because there's a now they're both trying to um, figure out a way to screw Camilla over with the money 
that they got, but that doesn't come out until a little bit later. Yeah. But yeah, um, I thought it was just um, anyways interesting, kind of the whole with Camilla still and, yeah. being an acting boss because it's he's so so prefers kind of being that behind the scenes doing strategy, and and I can kind of I can understand that because you know when you think about it, a lot of like that that the agita and the shit that you know that that Tony and maybe some of it was was self inflicted, but you know like. Mm-hmm. It seems like being a boss in those situations was just a pain in the ass. Like, I, I um, and and so I think you know he obviously tried to do what exactly. he could, but I could could sympathize with that. Like when he was just like, "I'm trying to go to the bathroom. Like, leave me alone. Like, just stop talking." Like and when he said, "I'm I'm a morning person," um, that made me laugh too because I just it, like just reminded <laughs> me of, of myself. But it just it was also just kind of showed his human side as well. Cause you didn't really see much into their house ever, like in terms of, uh, of, of, of he right. and Gabby Dante. So it was nice just to kind of see like a little bit of that as well. Me too, to be honest with you. And uh-huh. also too, it's easier to yeah, give advice definitely. than it is to be in that position and not get advice. So it would have been different if he appointed somebody to give him advice and to help him be account like, for somebody else to be a consigliere while he's acting boss. But he's having to do all this on his own without being a consigliere and trying to also balance that into his tactics that uh-huh. he gives Tony well, and also, also trying these, to be Tony at the same time. Like, a lot hard. of, you know, they, 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 for some reason, like they never, they always right. make things more complicated. Because <laughs> if you think about it, like their whole issue with, with you know, with Vito and Holly, it's like, if they do, they really if only do. they could have just you know been concerned for for their you know friend and their boss who's in the hospital, but like because there was this whole other side thing going on about figuring out what to do with the money, it was like you know they they were they had so many little side narratives going on. Definitely, and then also too, um, this is also what I want to bring up too. While he's acting boss. He, uh, pretty much any beef it gets uh, reported to Sill. He takes a portion, uh, not only that, but money and everything else gets uh, kicked up to Tony and Carmela, which is understandable. Um, he collects money and gives it to Carmela. Any beef, like I said, gets reported to Sill, and he takes a, purport- a portion to Carmela. Bobby being called out by Vito about watching Ju- uh, Junior, Polly wants to buy a radio for Tony. Vito wants Eugene's part in coming out of to Janice. And then to, he also comes to, out to Janice, to Janice? As, as gay. Did you, did you catch that or no? Yeah. Because he doesn't actually say he's gay, but he says it like this. He goes, yeah, there was somebody that came out as gay or something in that one, that context. And I thought that you he know, was saying it because it's the not unusual for someone to be gay or something like Eugene's that. Eugene's suicide and like, so then V. I almost thought like he was saying that as a kind of you know like projection, mm-hmm. almost. But that's that's interesting. So I I didn't I didn't take that. I thought he was more saying it as kind of like obviously mm-hmm. that was you know he was gay and so he you know was having those internal issues. But I thought it was more just that's why he kind of was bringing it up because he wanted to almost like talk about it out loud without having to talk about himself. But yeah, but that's interesting though that, that you had, that, uh, had got that. I can that. see that in the sense. 
Because here's the thing. He can't go to anybody else to talk about the fact that he's gay, right? So he has to go to somebody to, even if it's about somebody else that right, gay or whatever. Right, yeah. It's almost like saying, like, oh, and he can like, make a, like reference a, to himself. a friend of mine, you know, like when people are talking about the, themselves, but they'll be like, I have a friend who is in this issue. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And then when you think of actually about that, Janice, way back in season two, was the one who gave Richie crap because he was, you know, talking about his son being gay. And she's like, so what if he is? Like, who cares? So I guess maybe she gave also, you know, kind of gave off that, like, you know, inclusive vibe or open-minded vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Janice she goes from Janice, being whoever, whoever, to being whatever's going to being Janice again. Be good for Janice in that moment, but I do think so. that she was, you know, in terms of that, a little bit more open-minded than the rest of them in that regard. Exactly. Uh, so, what did you think about? Did you want to talk about anything about the radio thing or anything like that with the beeps being talked about? Oh no, you if not. You can, I do have ahead. another part two that I also have on here too. Oh yeah, videos. Fuck um, you. to the press. Carmela yells at JJ for not being. <laughs> also, too, he said it's hard being. Uh, yeah, that is. A soprano you know that whole thing when he does when, when he pretends he has a stomach fire. I mean, I just I, I know that AJ is struggling, but he was just he did not make himself any more likable right there like i mean you know you could barely you know go see his dad at the hospital but uh yeah it was just it's like aj you are not uh, being a good example although actually um with aj i what was interesting to me was how uh, rosalie tried to talk to carmella about aj in the hospital and was like telling her you know like don't just enable him and baby him and she was like don't tell me how to talk about my son. And then Rosie was like, well, no, I know from experience, like my son is dead. Like, she's like, I do know. And I do know what happens when you enable and baby them. Exactly. But she didn't want to listen. She thought she knew best. Uh-huh. And also too, Tony also told Camilla about AJ too before. Things like that. So right or really even, do any good you know, to talk to Camilla when it comes like down when, to uh, AJ. With Dr. Moffey when they ran into each other at the supermarket and she was just trying to be nice. She's like, oh, you know, if you ever want to talk to him, she's like, no, I, I have plenty of people to talk about. Thanks. It's like, yeah, it was very, very defensive of her. Let's see. And then we have this other thing too, is uh let's see agent harris visit we already talked about that tony is um doing uh, let's see tony's dream the mri from the fall shows signs of alzheimer's so it's also as a reference to uncle junior uh tony is in another hotel room and picks up the phone and hangs up and aj and also too this is also where aj tells carmella that he flunked out of school probably not a good time he probably could could have waited until you know something else although it what i thought interesting about that part was that he mentioned um he was trying to do well in philosophy because you know so much of the show is about you know philosophy and kind of these existential questions and so i just i i thought that was kind of a, a nod to philosophy when when he mentioned this philosophy class
That's true. That's very true. Now that you mentioned that, because you know, like you said, there's a lot of things about philosophy, a lot of analyzing things like that. Especially when you look at Tony going to Melfi, there's also the analyzation of the dreams yeah, that we're doing right you know, now. There, there's too. So yeah, I feel like with the there's just true. so many layers to things, and then with the dream sequences, it's, it makes there even more layers to those layers. Most definitely. Um, then we have yeah. episode three, which is mayhem. And this is actually true. Nothing but mayhem from all directions in this in this episode between everything going on with Syl to everything going on with um, Polly and Vito, everything going down uh-huh. to... And it's also the, the when they have the coma. little the Everybody's going through something in this episode. I think that that part's, that part's always funny to me. It really is, if you actually think about it. Um, we're going to get to that in a few minutes, though. I do want to talk about that. Um, Vito and Polly talked about Tony. And Polly collects the money and finds 2K. This is this uh-huh. is where we wind up finding out that there's actually more money in that Puerto Rican stash. Remember? With Vito. And there's $2,000 and much more in the in a dishwasher, Chris finds out that AJ was trying to purchase a gun to whack Junior. Chris and Bobby are the voice of reason and tells them not to buy a gun. Doctor's bits, and then this is what I was talking about. Yeah, the I doctor's think, bits. Uh, with, it's interesting with, but, with Christopher um, and, and AJ because you know so, you think of like that was Christopher back then. Um, you know, remember in, like season one when when Brendan Falone was killed, and then and then Christopher is you know coming to the hospital where Jackie Priel's there, and he's like. You know, we got to take action for this and then get revenge. And, and now he's the one that's kind of advising uh, AJ, like, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't go crazy. Like, he doesn't want you to be involved in this. It's just kind of an interesting, uh, like, display of you know, the cycle goes on. Exactly, because Chris is like, well, right, I yeah, used to yeah. be you. I, and also, too, I love when he said, this is a hello to my little friend. So I, so I definitely love how he's the voice of reason and also, too, saying that, hey, Tony wouldn't want you to do this, so you don't need to be doing this either. And Bobby's also telling him the same thing. He goes, look, right, go right. Home, watch a little, have and sex with your course, girlfriend, you know, do anything. He ended up getting a gun, but, you know, a knife, and that, that didn't, of course, <laughs> not, didn't work out very well. Although he got out of that luck, he was, you know, lucky in terms of when he goes to see Junior and you know, when he brings a knife with him. Exactly. And he can't and get this. It also reminded me to, you know, he can't do anything right. AJ can't really yeah, I mean, it's, it's, do anything right it's, without it's, it's, screwing it's, something you know, it's, up. It's, it's sad, but too. there's really, I mean, I can't say that I just want you to be, be proud of with, with AJ, you know, not mm-hmm. to be, you know, I hate something like, like mean, but, uh, there right. leaves much to be desired. <laughs> right. Exactly. I agree. I mean, there, I try to like AJ as a character. It's just, uh, he's someone that uh-huh. just rubs me the oh, wrong yeah, way and sure. the way he acts and his behavior because of how you know, spoiled he is. Anyway, <laughs> we can talk about that you know? for a while. Uh, right. Right. 
So we actually have the Kevin Finity thing where Tony finds the Buddhist and they think that uh, Tony is Kevin. And I also remember when he asked Carmella, when uh, Tony asked Carmella, well, what if I really am Kevin? What if I'm actually Kevin Finity? And at this point, he's actually considering the fact that he is that, that Right. Person. And I think it's also... Uh, Which I found really fascinating. Kind of goes back to the whole philosophical, you know, what if he had been someone different? What if he, you know, what, what if Tony had gone a different direction or he had gone, uh, he'd been a different guy selling patio furniture or, or he'd been, you know, selling eating system. And it's kind of like, you know, what, what's this meaning of life? What's his, his purpose? <laughs> and anything. I think that, yeah, I think his, the dream sequence with, with Kevin Finney, I think that was a lot of that was just him exploring that when he finally, you know, when you think about it, he was always during his waking hours, he was just, you know, constantly thinking about like what was right in front of him in terms of like, you know, just, just what am I doing? Like what, what needs to be done business wise, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was finally like, okay, he had this downtime. So now he kind of, you know, whether or not he intended to or not had a lot to think about. Exactly. And then also, too, we actually get into this other thing now where Syl is in the kitchen. Syl gets wing of the Colombians getting whacked for two million plus. Uh, and this is also, too, where he winds up finding out that Phil, uh, not Phil, but Paulie and, and uh, Vito has something to do with it. And I love this scene because. Oh, Paulie doesn't so have a clue so that's, that that's Syl's even in the I hadn't even, uh, Vito set him up. I hadn't even thought of that part for him yeah I think that now that I'm look, looking back at it and everything too I'm thinking that Vito set him up because think of it like this Polly is in the bathroom he only sees Vito he doesn't realize that it's still in there in the bathroom so it's just him and uh, Polly and Vito just arguing about money right and then he's like oh I can't like, remember can Vito said so what do you think still <laughs> right and he's like i better not be hearing about fucking money in there right <laughs> like yeah he's the parent he's like, oh, do i really you could tell like right at that point he's like really you know, is this like, like uh, is this something i'm gonna have to deal with all the time <laughs> exactly because he's like it kind of reminds you of you know parents and everything when the kid when the kids are trying to get into the bathroom and everything is like oh great and then you, and they're like I swear I better not catch you two in the kitchen when I get out you guys are gonna be sorry that's actually how I yeah, feel yeah that's about true that's so funny still that, being in the bathroom point. because um, I better not be yeah, hearing he, about money over he's there. definitely the the <laughs> he just likes to be behind the scenes by his own strategy he doesn't like to have to he likes just kind of being the messenger and and giving them. The orders that come from Tony and then, you know, advising Tony before Tony makes decisions. But mm-hmm. then after that, he's like, I don't want to deal with you all drama. Exactly. And then this is also too where when he's at home, still tells his wife, because, you know, I was going to be boss when Jackie had cancer. Yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting too. But it's, it's funny because at the way beginning, they had, uh, Apparently, they had wanted Ray Curdo to be the boss, which I only know from from uh, back in season one. I mentioned it, which was always interesting to me. But yeah, just it's funny, kind of you know, like when you you hear these other side conversations, and it's like there's so much going on that we don't even know about. 
Exactly. And then let's see here. Then we have Sill was going. Uh, let's see. Junior's turf is Bobby's. Twenty percent goes to Vito for now. So that's whenever, uh, of course, Bobby comes over the house at at night, and he goes, "Okay, twenty uh-huh. percent goes to Vito." Well, that's when I like that when he said, "And then you know, we'll talk more about more of a morning person." Uh, which kind of, you know what I mean? Like it just reminded me of something that I or any normal person would say, because it's it's just like you know it was very. It was very just normal person, <laughs> like like how some people like oh can we talk tomorrow like about this I'm I'm more of a morning person can we have can we, can we talk about it over coffee like just kind of past my 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 working hours. <laughs> right. right, which I thought was funny though because right. it doesn't matter what uh, Tony though because you can pretty much talk business right. with Tony anytime you want, so he's pretty much like the open person. Right, like, like, okay, like, we're, we're going right, like, to talk about whacking this person tomorrow because I don't have time to deal with this right now. Please come back in the morning. Most definitely. Right, you're dealing with Vito and Polly, and then you're dealing with Bobby now, and it's just totally, like the title says, it's just mayhem on everything, on all levels on this episode. Um... Tony is back at the bar and still shocked with being diagnosed with Alzheimer's and questions if he is Kevin. Meadow and AJ sitting with Tony still in the bathroom. Okay, this is what I talked about that. Um, let's see. Vito talks to Syl about the Orange Street shakedown and Vito tells Syl about how he was involved and that everyone should get a cut in reference to Polly not be paying up to Vito. And making it all about Carmella should get should get should get a cut. Polly walks in. Vito, Polly arguing about who gets what. One half. Polly doesn't know that Sill is in the stall. They both get a half and goes half and half. The rest still kicks to Tony and Carmella. Eighty k, hundred hundred k a piece of twenty percent. Yeah, I think it. What always is. is... What I found so interesting is just how, you know, when Carmella, when, once Tony wakes and then when Carmella's like, keep an eye on, on, on Vito or keep an eye on them, especially it's just, you know what I mean? Like she's, 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 she knows things like she, she can see when people are, are trying to bullshit her. Um, like she can smell it from a mile away. <laughs> exactly. And she could. Right. Right. And she can even tell that the envelope was light. Which is funny because it also it, it reminds me if of like the bird fear that the, yeah, uh, the, the the fourth season, and it's like yeah, I mean when you think about it, she has a lot of you know experience handling cash, whether it's like <laughs> cash that Tony gives her every week or just you know in terms of like where they stash it. So yeah, she's 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 she knows her she knows her cash. She definitely does. That's something that I find that's hilarious, though. Doesn't have to open the envelope or anything. She knows that it's light, and also too, she looks right. like the guilty. Yeah, shame I mean, they're they're Polly's They don't have very Polly good poker Vito's faces, face, too. Plus, I feel like Carmela, like you know, become from being married to Tony with Tony for so long, she she kind of she just knows like they're no. she knows when they're shitting because I'm sure a lot of their you know kind of tells and, and things that they do are probably things that Tony does as well. Exactly, because this is also too, 
um, dissolve after this. And I know I said about guilt and shame, but I just want to point this out. I think it's not so much as guilt and shame. It's the whole fact that they have to kick up to Camilla. They don't like it. So they're like right. big babies because really of the fact how, that they can't you know, uh, keep the money I mean, for themselves. The fact that they're, you know, boss was in the hospital and in a coma on, on life support. And the fact that they, you know, it, it really went to show like who, you know, kind of who their number one was. Like at the end of the day, they were in it for themselves and, and Carmela was right when she said to Tony you know they're not necessarily your friends like they're just scared of you because you're the boss because you know the fact that they, that that was their number one concern and and you could tell even when uh what when they did find out that Tony did wake up and you could see that look of disappointment on Vito's face when everyone all the guys were like jumping and you know hugging each other and, and all happy and Vito was like oh shit because he he really he wanted to be the boss Exactly. That's what I. That's what I felt like though too. He wanted to be the boss and take over everything. And, and it's just like super that. ironic then too. So of course, obviously, to know that he wasn't know, we'll is also another letdown to them. Uh, he certainly does not become boss, to say the least. No. And then we also have Chris is pushing to make he's movies, just, pressuring that, JT I mean, he, to write a he horror was movie with he, him. he was determined to get uh, that screenplay ever since season one. <laughs> right? And then he decides to make it into a horror film after the, James Wan having success with Saw. And then, of course, also being oh, yeah, JT in is. front of a I think the fact class, that how, was how, even that much how he told too. Tony about it or how he asked slash told Tony about it like right when he woke from a coma like he could barely even speak like Chris I mean it was it was brilliant <laughs> Chris I mean because it's like the perfect time to talk to have a hard conversation when this guy just woke up from a coma and he can barely even speak like his lips are crusty because he hasn't opened his mouth to talk in, like, <laughs> in weeks and, and then he uh, you know it's like oh this will, I'm just gonna go tell you I mean if I were in his position, I probably would have tried to do that too. But it was just, you know, like this is great, great time to tell him. Right. It's not the right time. Chris never had the great and to- great timing when it came down to talking to Tony about anything. It was always about he was very. Let's see. He relied more on his feelings than anything. Right, and it, and then he you know, kind of was trying to like use. I guess the you could say he was very impulsive. Because he was like, you know, I kind of, I did this, so like, you have to let me do this sort of thing. Uh, right. Right, right. Which is like, oh, it still makes me like that. I like I'm, how Tony calls him out on it. He goes, I'm how many times are we going to use the Adriana So I'm like, oh, the whole, like, <laughs> all of them, you know. That, that part, I'll, 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 I'll never enjoy that part. Me too. Me either. To be honest with you, I, I like Adriana. Know. She supported Chris from the get go with the yeah, whole script writing and things really like that, helping out with acting class. The and FBI, then go, like she never actually gave him any. I mean, that's they they were never able to 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 bring Christopher in and, and, and you know charge him with anything. Like the, I mean, the stuff that they got you know on Tony later in the series is from you know from Carlo and and it's just you know what I mean. Like it's sad that this uh, you know what had to happen with her and she literally you know didn't didn't even give them any substantial information. Mm-hmm. 
no, not at all. And then, you know, and another thing too is with Tony, with that scene that you're mentioning, you know, right, you right. can definitely tell Tony didn't like the idea of him going. You can tell with his facial expression. The facial expression said it all. He goes, basically saying, are you fucking stupid? I can right. barely talk. And, and it's like he, and I just got out of a coma and too. you want to do this shit. It's basically he what just basically saying. wanted to check the box that said, I talked to Tony about it. <laughs> he gave him his blessing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he gave me my, in his mind, he gave him the blessing and he can go. <laughs> I like how Tony says it too. He goes, Chris, I was in a fucking coma. And everything. Right. But you said yes. Yeah, right. It's was, uh, goes, I'm it's, in a coma. I was yeah. in a coma. It's, what did you do? I mean, really, once, once, <laughs> you know, in season six, you could tell uh, things just really, you know, kind of got worse and worse and worse between Krista and Tony. Like, it, you know, it, I feel like it could never be the same after what happened with Adriana, and then, and then when he did that, I feel like it's just kind of like, you know, it. it made there be even more tension and especially yeah. given the fact that when he was gone that's when all the stuff happened with Artie and Benny and, um, you know so it's kind of like yeah you weren't around I mean maybe maybe he could have prevented all that stuff from happening with, with, with Benny and Artie if, if he had been around exactly which I thought the stuff with Benny and Artie Artie was actually yeah. I just I, I felt <laughs> sense, like <laughs> because of everything that Artie was doing. But we'll get to that in a few though too. Um, well, he also shouldn't have been as like I did with too, the, but a lot he of shouldn't have also made on like, Artie though too. I feel so like. much of the you know the girls yeah. like because you know he he shouldn't have. Oh, I'm only doing this favor for you, like you know because you flirt with me, sort of thing with the you know with the immigration. Like he definitely you know did not always make wise decisions. But I still thought the credit card thing was 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 messed up. Just also because it was like they were friends, and, and you know the fact that Betty Definitely. knew that. I don't know. Maybe we'll do we talk about that. Was. Uh huh. Okay, we'll talk about that in a few. <laughs> I promise, because that's something I want to get to as well. Um. So let's see here. Uh. The Godfather still tells Carmela to expect a big package from Vito and Polly. We touched on that. Vito and Phil at dinner. Phil tells Vito to, not to cheat. Um, Carmela, um, Vito and Polly are at dinner, and, and Polly tells Vito not to cheat Carmela. Um, Vito doesn't. Uh, let's see. Then, of course, then we have Phil not over his brother's death. Polly. Um, Polly and Polly Jr. Polly Sr. doesn't like that he has to kick up to Carmela. Polly Jr. tells him to spend some of it. Still tells Polly to give the mic to Carmela. Carmine Jr. Still, Christopher and JT have a meeting about the movie. This is where you said this is your favorite part. Uh, Christopher wants to make. Still talks about Vito calling him Skip. Bobby is talking about the split between Vito and him is killing Bobby. So, so let's um, talk about the uh, what I got, entire. I thought that um, or the idea of the about this. for me with with the it was just when we talk about Christopher and Tony. I mean, it was just so painfully obvious that it was you know being written about with uh, his resentment and his anger toward toward Tony for what he thought was you know Tony hooking up with Adriana. Um, 
and it was just you know that part I just thought was kind of you know funny because it was like okay he wasn't like you know using real life stories about their organized crime but he was basically using the whole you know the narrative of of this boss who went and got with my you know girlfriend and I know I feel like it was like a way for Christopher to kind of express his rage essentially with Cleaver rather yeah why what, what did you think Yeah, I can definitely see that. I felt the same way, uh-huh. especially when you see Julia Juliana to uh, do it too. Oh right, yeah, and she you know, totally I thought that was something that too was, because Juliana was actually helping Chris write the script. Tony. Exactly, because I I think also too Juliana actually hated Tony even more. Right. So she's just yeah, trying no, to get revenge also, on him, and then also too, yeah, this is also it's not really good kind of, for uh, Chris yeah, it's either. It's a little bit of like self sabotage. Although it was one of those things where it wasn't so blatant, like you know they could kind of pretend that it wasn't about him, but of course Tony knew, and then um, you know it just. But I, again, by that point, uh, once everything's happened with Adriana, I think that you know it was never going to be the same. And, so I feel like there was these little, you know, subtle and then not so subtle jabs back and forth and then, you know, culminating with the release of the movie. And then it was just, you know, a matter of time from there. Exactly. Let's see. Um, Bobby is stressed out over not being able to provide for Janice and the kids. Bobby comes to still late at night. Carmela's worried about guns in the home. Uh, and AJ with the uh, press still rushed to the hospital because of, okay, this is also too where cells rushed to the hospital because of the pressure bo- pressure. And then of course, Bobby arrives in the morning time, just like still right. uh, told him to do. But he didn't mean directly in. Well, he's night, in, he's you know? very like, you know, he's, I mean, in the morning like, time. He told him sometime in the morning. Time. He does it's, yeah, I think it's just another thing that shows like, <laughs> Well, still, like, really? Like, I don't want to do this every morning. Exactly. At this time, Sills ready to just be done oh, yeah. with everything. Yeah, for sure. And then, of you course, know, you can with, definitely feel the pressure his, that uh, fills on. You know, the asthma attack. Yeah, he has his asthma attack, and then Bobby goes, "Hey, I came to your house just like you said, Lou. So what about um, so what about this? Uh, what about uh, Janice and everything? And right. <laughs> this is another thing that reminds yeah, me of Chris was, with Tony with of, when he got um, out of the coma. A lot of power plays, like subtle and not so subtle, uh, just in the beginning of this this season as a whole. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot for him to take in. And then, of course, this is where um, that winds up having Vito is bullshitting Carmela about the money. Oh, yeah. When he's like, starts... he looks that was just terrible. so funny. Polly and it totally to made Tony sense how help. he was going to, of course, it would be it would be Polly that would be so <laughs> annoying and talking so much that it would wake up Tony up out of a coma. <laughs> exactly. 
That, uh-huh. made, that's what made me laugh. That scene just works for me because the more Polly kept on talking, and not only that, Polly always worked on Tony's nerves anyway, aside from Christopher. I just thought right. that was funny that they actually used him as a way to wake wake him up, in a sense, to wake him up out of the coma. Um, Tony's blood pressure is rising. Yeah, that was uh, really, t- touched the I mean, that was just so blatant. moves on him again at the hospital. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. And oh, yeah. No one memories is, of him working the construction I mean, site all over it's, again. It's not surprising you can when, you know, when you later find out comfortable. that it, it broke up. Because I just think between him seeing all the violence and then this continual harassment by Vito. I mean, he probably thinks that he's going to be subject to that forever. Exactly. And then, of course, you have, uh, let's see, then you have Polly talk, talking to Tony about pussy, Tony's dream, Tony's yelling next door the next door neighbor on uh, next door neighbor in the hotel room but this is also a reference to Polly talking to Tony I feel like because I think that is right. actually Tony um Tony right exactly and that's kind of what uh, he's listening to everything that Polly you know, what's saying. making him wake up just like I'm sure there were there were other sounds through the wall in his dream sequences uh, earlier that probably were you know from from real life sounds or even like with the light for example like that he saw in a helicopter might have been from the lights from from overhead in his hospital room. Then after that, you have Tony flatlining and then Tony driving in a storm in reference to, um, let's see here, the defibrillator Right, pads. right. Oh, yeah, and that, that scene was really so heavy. So I think that was actually in reference um, to the defibrillator you know, pads was, with the was, storm. Was that in front of the, the, the White House, I thought that that was, you know, that was got me pretty kind of emotional. And then let's see, Tony pulls into the driveway, people are dancing in the house, Tony B is waiting for Tony telling him that they are waiting for him. His family is waiting for for him. His mob family is this what it's referenced to. That's at least what I thought. Oh, see, I and thought the house represents him, he was. I think this I is where he's actually in Parkapore. Where he was at that moment, I thought that him going to the house would be him dying. Um, and I thought that the woman in the house, or like the woman that he saw, I, I right. You know, I That's also another key factor too that I thought mom. too. But I think, yeah, I like. I think it was just kind of the house was, you know, the afterlife, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. And get this, I did have it representing it as death, but I was also thinking maybe purgatory too, because everybody's there, oh, everybody yeah, can yeah, that's true. Or like for people <laughs> who had you know, recently and crossed over sort of thing. So that's what made me think like, that maybe obviously it was Tony B had, hadn't died too much, you know, too, you know, before that only, I guess, a, you know, I don't know how right. long in Sopranos time, but very, you know, at the end of season five. So that could possibly be it too. Right. And then we have Tony Hesitant Campering Briefcase for the uh, briefcase. The briefcase to me represents the living. 
uh, Tony wanting to let uh-huh. go of the okay. You know what else this also represents to me and everything is like everything. Remember when he said his life is in that briefcase? Right. Yeah. So I saw that, and then that's I also sim- just that's you know, when I, to when me I that he's giving up his life. I, I thought of just that's yeah, like that's his 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 identity, similar to how you know when he had lost his briefcase and uh, you know and lost uh, his ID, like it was just it was symbolizing his identity. And it was like a tangible thing and, and same here. So it's like, if he kind of, you know, if he let go of it forever, that would be him letting go of his life as a whole. Exactly. That's, that's how I, I represent, that's how I ended up receiving it as. Um, Tony not wanting to let go of the briefcase, meaning not wanting to let go of the living Tony hears a little girl crying out, don't leave me, daddy, it's Meadow, don't wake up, and then Tony wakes up from his coma, Vito is now scared, and has to pay up to Tony, and Polly comes over, and is scared, and has to pay up, because he's thinking that, right. you oh, know, yeah, God knows what yeah, Camilla and, and told Tony Polly, while he was in the he's coma, so and now he's, maybe he's expecting the money. So- I mean, he probably literally thinks that, like, <laughs> so- you know, that there was Tony had some sort of transcript, or, like, he could have easily heard everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was just uh, that's it's, it's interesting with Polly, all of his uh, idiosyncrasies and superstitions. Exactly. Yeah. Superstitions. Right. I just thought that was right. Hilarious. Right. Was like, like, get it. Like, let's they're, they're get like, kids they quickly, like, before so they notice try and be like kids and trying to cover it up, acting white. <laughs> Exactly. And then Chris tells Tony about the movie business and I also put down not the right time <laughs> underneath it. Um, so now we're getting into episode four, the fleshy part of the thigh. That's the name of the uh, episode. This is where we are introduced to rapper Deluxe. He got shot seven times. <laughs> from the ER, Tony has more that surgery. That was funny. Carmella that reminds gets, me uh, when the, when the, 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 the evangelical picture uh, comes with Aaron Arkaway and says that the dinosaurs walk the earth at the same time as humans. <laughs> it made me, made me think of that. Right, and also too, there's also a reference to the preacher talking about that too in the in the right. series as well, because Tony right. was thinking was that dinosaurs I, think of the, uh, um, were a separate thing compared the, to the, humans. The dinosaurs was being there at the same time. Might not have been the dinosaur. I just remember early in the series, Tony told Dr. Melfi that his uh, his uh, his family had told him that his dad was in Montana as a, a cowboy, but, but separately though, I, I don't know, I got that mixed up with dinosaurs for a second, but uh, yeah. It's interesting when you think about like kind of philosophy and history and all the same issues that are intertwined throughout the series. <laughs> That's okay. Exactly. Um, let's see. Then we have Barone and environmentalists looking to sell. Owner owners wondering why to- they are paying Tony. Um, Bobby and Tony talks. Tony makes <clears throat> fun of him about his. Uh, train set, still mad at Bobby for making him watch Junior. Preacher talks to Tony about um, about God and prays over Tony's surgery. Tony questions his own beliefs at this time because of 
when he went through in the coma. Uh-huh. Um, uh, medica- uh, that was that part was funny, and I think it also like that was kind of just uh, a, you know meant to show. <laughs> and it was also a cultural critique, um, and then also kind of showed like the you know just kind of the hypocrisy uh, of a lot of these folks. Uh, that was how I how I took it in terms of uh, you know well, why they particularly brought them in to say those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could have been, could have been both, even. I can see that, too. I just thought it was, a, like, a little bit that they did, you know? I'm trying to bring up... But also, too, um, I also know that Jehovah's Witnesses, I believe, don't believe right. in medication although he, or anything although like they're that, not, either. Um, so, you know, he's questioning at that point, um, too. But, yeah, yeah, in terms of... But in terms of the, yeah, the medicine... Um, it's interesting. Think, we'll see how they were, you know, when they were downstairs right. doing the, you know, protesting because someone got fired for not, you know, refusing to, to their prescribed birth control. And so it's just a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, issues with like philosophy and values. And I feel like you kind of, you see these different people throughout the, the episode and really throughout the, the series that kind of, you know, make you stop and think like about, you know, what are, what are people's values? Like what's, what's important to them? Right. And then let's see. After that, we wind up having Jason talking to Tony and Polly about the garbage business because Polly is also in connection with, in cahoots with Tony with the whole entire garbage operation, too. Um, He's actually a silent partner, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, with Polly. The garbage business, Tony is trying to talk him out of selling it. Polly right, and the health W-2s in there is the only thing that actually shows that he has some type of legit work so he, he can pay his taxes. Um, then, yeah, and the health insurance, of course, because he's in the, he was in the hospital that whole entire time. So he needs some type of health insurance. Otherwise, yeah, if he I thought it, it was uh, going to be a huge know, interesting deal how, by the time Tony gets out of, you know, it kind of goes like out of, you know, shows um, you the, the, the hospital, the, you know, just as Tony kind of tried to protect uh, AJ and Meadow as long as he could like this was kind of to the extreme in terms of like you know obviously Dick Barone uh, and his his wife you know they they totally shielded Jason from everything but then you know that that kind of you know was was negative in the, in the sense that he then had no idea like what he was actually dealing with you know he couldn't just like sell the business like that you know that wasn't how it was going to work like he needed to, to to talk to Tony and kind of see what that was all about so you know he was just kind of like an example of kind of when you're when being shielded from the truth is almost it, it's it's it becomes bad because then it's like you're just you're you're unaware of what's really going on. Exactly. Oh yeah, and when Jason, one, you, one other thing I wanted to mention is one of my favorite quotes: "The EBITDA." When, 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 uh, so, when Jason's talking um, to Tony and Polly about selling the business, and then Tony's, like, and then Polly's like, "Do you even know what your EBITDA is? Your earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization." It, it gives a true picture of a company's profitability, and it was just so funny because it was like <laughs> Polly all of a sudden was like a you know accounting expert. It was so it was just it was it was a very it was one of those funny like polyline yeah 
Definitely. It's just something that Polly would actually say and also to just to bust the guy's right. balls, though, at the same right. time. Right. To make it seem like that, yeah. you know, the kid's a, not as smart as what he Polly says he moment. is because Polly thinks he knows it all, too. Um, definitely. Most definitely. And then this is also when Polly, um, Polly visits his aunt. She tells Polly that she fell in love with a soldier. <laughs> She tells Polly that she's his mother. Maria is his aunt. Oh yeah, so if he, he does not handle that very you know, well. Aside from you know, <laughs> he he's gonna up, beat her up. He takes it to um, the extreme. You know, uh, it's uh, actually I have a, a, a like I like to take little clips and, and, and videos whenever I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> funny, or that's like cute, or that's sad. And I have one uh, from a few days ago, and it's of Nucci when she's uh, she comes back on the bus. From like their little field trip, and she's she's so excited. She's like, "I won forty dollars in keto," and then it's like, I just I so felt so badly for her because she did not deserve that. I mean, she knew she 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 raised him as her son. I mean, she she even he even admits she kept him out of trouble. She did everything for him, and so then for him to just be like, "You lied to me. It's all a lie." To me, it just it really broke my heart. Same here as well, because that's all all Polly knew was her. You know, that's his mom. To me, if someone took me in at that age or whatever, too, I'm like, well, this is all I know. Yeah, you know, I have the best of both worlds. I have my aunt and I have my mom, who's right. You know, Which kind of goes, yeah, it goes back. But to Polly didn't look at it at that angle. He and, looked at it to the point with, that his whole entire identity is a lie. And, and, and people as a whole, you know, also, you know, Christopher going all the way back from, you know, where's my identity, Polly? in my arc in the in the way beginning but i think that's you know a question that uh, a lot of them or nearly all of them have to grapple with throughout not just the the guys but i mean even you know <laughs> meadow kind of you know figuring out who she wants to be and, and really all of them in one one way or another Exactly. To be honest with you, I like <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that one was, part that was, in season that one where that was big, uh, there's my art policy, actually, says, but I, 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 well, I like when, yeah, was this, right? the same, um, <laughs> the same part of the show, and then, yeah, I love Polly's, uh, uh, taking it back to season one, when he's like, right. he's like, I was born, I was a few years in the army, a few more in the can, here I am, have a wise guy, so what? Like, saying, Chris, like, stop thinking about that stuff, like, start, you're making too big of a deal about this arc thing. Exactly. And then, you know, now he's going through some type of crisis now, too. Paulie is trying to find his right. entire thing, uh, um, background, too, six, since he's been lied uh, to since he was little about who his mom is. I you know, always going really through an identity crisis. Uh, was Bell Labs, the physicist from Bell Labs, uh, John Schwinn, who is uh, Hal Halberg, who actually just passed away recently in real life, but uh, uh, played John Schwinn. Uh, in that episode, and he was the one that the physicist from Bell Labs, who uh, made the whole speech about the things being separate entities, or that they're only separate entities because we perceive them that way. Uh, I don't know if you uh, if you remember that one, but it was when they were all in the room watching boxing together. Yeah. 
I actually have I actually have that too where Tony runs into him. And yeah, just kind um, of like it made me think watching kind the, of about the just fight. The overall, I thought like, that was actually a fascinating you know, thing too, show, um, where they're like, bringing what, that what, up. What is this thing called life? Like, what is this journey that we're all on? Like, are we all really connected, or are we all just individuals? You know, and, and how like you know we're really just a, a a tiny blip in time. That's what that's what I wanted to go back to with with the dinosaurs. Dino, I feel like that was just another example of like how we're just we're just really just like one little speck in time. Um, and just you know when you think of the dinosaurs like sixty five million years ago, that's you know kind of a, just an illustration. But I feel like his you know his whole little speech about separateness it really just you know makes you think like what is all this like? And I think that that's something they were trying to figure out throughout the series. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought it was interesting because everybody does it. Everybody questions their own life, you know, and also questions um, beliefs. Also questions about different things. And this is something that everybody can relate to in some way. Like, wow, I actually thought of something like that before. You know, someone would be like, well. You know, I never thought of us as just like specs and everybody else is just connected into this one thing, this one entity. Right. You know, well, I think it's, so yeah, I don't I mean, think anybody think would actually have thought that, something that, like that before. Or if they me, did, that's that actually a pretty good concept. It resonates cool so much because it's, you know, it's, it's, again, it's not, it, you know, the, the organized crime part, that's kind of only, you know, the surface level. But really, I think that we can all relate to mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, this thinking about, these questions, whether it's, you know, at a certain milestone or just, you know, throughout, like kind of what's our, what's our greater purpose here? Like, what were we, you know, put on this earth to do? And, you know, kind of, are we, are we following that? Are we living our, our, our true selves? And, uh, you know, of course, obviously theirs was, you know, a very bold, extreme example with organized crime, but really it, it can apply to all of us, whether, you know, personally, professionally, and otherwise, Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. Can you hear me? Okay. But yeah, uh, let's see here. Then, of course, well, with this one, too, we actually have Tony's surgery as a success. Hospital wants him out. Tony, you guys, John here. I just want to let you know that we ran out of time when we were doing our Mafia Talk Mondays. This was supposed to be for our season six, part one review of. The Sopranos, and so what we decided to do was split the season up into four sections. So the first section will be episodes one through four, then after that it'll be five through eight, and then after that it'll be nine through twelve. You're gonna get a whole entire complete season by the time that you guys listen to this. I hope that you guys enjoy our Mafia Talks Monday segments because we have a lot more in store for you when it comes down to Mafia Talk Mondays. Do us a favor also, go ahead and rate us on Apple Podcasts and tell us what you think of the segment or what you think of the episodes. So go ahead and do that and thank you again for being support, being very supportive towards us and also to enjoy the show. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. That's good. I just want to say welcome to the show again. I do appreciate you being on. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You're very welcome. And for tonight, we're actually doing season six, part one, side A. This is going to be the side A 
version of the episode. We're actually doing episodes 8 through 10 now. So this is actually something I'm, I'm excited about. I'm glad we're actually breaking it down to like three episodes, a review. I think it's actually running perfect. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's good because it's, I feel like it's, you know, it's enough to where we can get a little deep into it, but then not so much where, you know, it's like too much focus on one. I think it's, yeah, it's a good balance, like you said. Most definitely. And episode eight is actually called Johnny Cakes. Johnny Cakes is probably one of my other favorite episodes on season six. Um, this is, of course, where we actually have AJ selling his drum set, which we're not going to get into that much. It doesn't really do anything to, the, to do the plot. I'm just mentioning it. Uh, oh, interesting. Is... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to, to interrupt, but, but the, the drumstick specifically. So I one thing that I kind of thought looking back in hindsight is, you know, of course, later in the season, um, we see AJ kind of have his sort of, you know, suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. But one of um, one of the kind of patterns or, or things that um, they say to watch out for with people in terms of, you know, worrying about someone being uh, suicide, suicidal or having suicidal ideations is kind of like either giving away or selling their thing. Mm. So I don't know if it was even if it was purposely put there for that reason. I feel like it kind of just it could be just AJ not wanting to like do anything. But uh, I just I kind of thought like a little bit about that in hindsight. That uh... That's actually a fun fact. I mean, I didn't think about it like that. I just thought of him just selling a drum set, being adolescents, don't have money wanting extra money so he wants that drum set because he like he wants to sell it because of the fact that he wants money to go to the clubs oh yeah that could very well be it though <laughs> in terms of but the, yeah what you said but i like yours though too because it's on a deeper level a little bit of a foreshadowing of what would happen in part two of uh season six right and everything so i definitely love that idea that it could be that as well so yeah i think that's actually pretty cool uh foreshadowing if that that's the case as well so yeah it's funny i feel like that happens all quite often with with the show with with david chase and, and the sopranos that you kind of you see something that reminds you of something from back in another season and you're like wait was that intentional like did david chase plan that and it's like on most of them you won't actually know the answer but it's just it's it's fun thinking about it exactly i still want to i still want to know what three o'clock means that's one of the biggest things that i've been wondering about so that's in- interesting i think and, and it's, again, one of those things where it's like, you know, did he actually intend for it to just have one meeting or did they, you know, or did David just kind of just want it all to mean something different to each person? But uh, I, I think, yeah, that, that, to me, it's, you know, without a doubt, the three o'clock has to mean something given that it's mentioned so often in the series. Right. And Michael Imperoli also took a code of silence on it. He still won't tell anybody what that means. That's interesting. What did he say? Talk about that on on Talking Sopranos. I think I yeah remember that right. Because even uh, Steve was like, "Come on, man, just just say it. Just, just go in here and tell us." He's like, "No, I I I've did a vouch of silence and everything. I can't tell you." <laughs> That's so, so funny. Just the, the Omerta. <laughs> right. But anyways, um, I really love this scene where the fire is burning uh, down. With basically, it's where Vito was at, and he's watching. Um, the guy from the diner rush into uh, the burning house mm-hmm. and that's when Vito decides that he's going to try and step no I don't think that's when he steps in Um, he just watches uh closely as the guy is rushing in and everything and he realizes how much of a rush 
it, it is for the adrenaline and things like that whenever they're actually risking their lives. Yeah. He admires that. Yeah, and I think that it kind of almost, almost reminded me of like, you know, the same rush, obviously, that, that he gets from, you know, being in the, the, the industry that he is. And, and kind of it's like, you know, he, he, he first was like, okay, why, how, why would these guys do this for free? Like, what, what point is that? But then when he said, I realized there was a rush, I was like, maybe he then felt like how he had similarly felt, um, you know, doing risky stuff in his own industry, so to speak. That and also too maybe the rush of meeting the person that he wants to be with, right? As well. Oh, very true. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's another thing I was thinking. But yeah, I definitely love this scene. I liked how it sets up on who this person actually is and what kind of person he is, because that's also what Vito is actually moved by. Mm-hmm. Is the risk taking and everything, and I also like how they're welcoming him in Vito into this ta- this town, and they barely know him, but they're accepting him. And he actually feels like he's at home for once. Right, right. And you could see he's, you know, because obviously he still has that, that cover at first of, you know, writing the, the book about about the uh, uh, rock, uh, about the, the boxer. I don't know why. The baseball the, player, the, right. Was it, was it rock, um, Marciano? It was a boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Rocky Marciano. Um, but it was just almost, it was funny, because, yeah, it's like at least he, he was able to kind of, like, kind of just be a new person almost and eventually of course he told you know he he told johnny higgs about you know at least that he had come from new jersey but at first i almost feel like he was able to just pretend he was a completely new person and just kind of create his own yeah his own story essentially exactly and like you said before you know it you wind up telling a lie to the point where you actually believe it and that's one of the things that i really like from that too that you mentioned before and then you know he's come to terms with who he is and his sexuality feeling comfortable in his own skin and being able to talk to Johnny Cakes about who he really is and feeling safe and secure with it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I love the, the, the quote where it's sometimes you, you tell lies so long, you don't know when to stop and you don't know if it's safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that kind of epitomizes his situation at that moment. Most definitely. And then let's see here. We also have Tony and AJ bonding on the boat. AJ asking what he's going to be done. What's going to be done with uncle junior. Pretty much at this point, Tony is just done with the whole situation and the fact. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. That's great. I just want to say welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your night to talk about The Sopranos Season 6, Part 1, Side A, Episode uh, 6. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. I think we're going to do... Um... Episode six through eight, right? Or is it just six? Uh, six through eight, okay. actually. Oh, perfect. So, perfect. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, because we actually decided, hey, this is actually shorter doing it this way. And also, too, it gives us time to, you know, just talk about the episode in, episodes in itself. So at the end, I'm going to get where people can follow you at and stuff like that. Do your tags over there. Oh, wait. Awesome. All right. So... Let's see here. This is actually episode six, Mr. and Mrs. Johnny Sacramoni's request. This On is actually... episode five. That was, I think, yeah. Was, yeah, episode five. Yeah, that was episode five. Let me go on ahead. Sorry. I know that. we had kind of like gone through most of that, though. Um, right. So episode six is live free or die. Yeah. 
yes this is um and it's funny because i feel like for for these three episodes there's so much going on so i i already know there's probably going to be at least like one or two things that i totally missed and then i'm going to remember like later this evening like oh i should have said that but um just really quickly one of the things that i that really stood out to me at the beginning of this episode was how tony goes out to the pool and it's all windy um and then he's kind of like for a minute kind of taking things in and just almost like breathing a sigh of relief but then you notice like the ac or something starts rattling and then he gets yeah. so he gets so thrown off and bent out of shape so easily and it just i felt like it was very symbolic just in general of kind of how he his psyche right just all of a sudden just comes back out of nowhere and also too the wind to me kind of represented death in a way because it also represented it into his uh dream sequence as well mm-hmm Yep, with the, when it was uh, the wind in the trees and then kind of how, like, Meadow's voice was, was coming from the trees. Right, and that's what I got out of that was, it was just the fact that, you know, he is taking everything in, but at the same time, it kind of, to me, re- represents death. And because, also, too, this is also the episode where Rusty winds up getting whacked. So that's why I was kind of putting those two together, kind of. Right, yeah, definitely. I feel like it's, it's and it's one of those things that recurs throughout the show so it's you know I think it's one of those things where sometimes you only look at it in hindsight and like oh, okay maybe that's what it is but you know I think as with many other things in The Sopranos a lot of it really comes down to our interpretation there's hardly you know one one meaning of, of one thing and I think you know the wind just like with water right. and fire it, it it all kind of comes down to our particular experience and perspective that's actually an interesting way of actually putting it. I didn't think of it like that because, you know, this is a, just subjective anyways on how each person looks at something. So that's actually pretty neat how you came up with that. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's funny. The reason I've been thinking more about like different interpretations of things is because I've been thinking a lot about the the series finale lately because, you know, you know I, I see mm-hmm. all the time people kind of, you know, arguing like, oh, this is what happened to Tony or this is who was responsible for him, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's just funny because, you know, of course, nobody knows uh, but I think that's part of what's what makes it interesting is that everyone kind of has their own particular perspective mm-hmm. and, and, and frame of seeing things. And I think that's kind of, you know, throughout the show, really. Most definitely. That's something I can actually appreciate the fact now, going back now, is the fact that I can go ahead and say, well, okay, maybe this is what actually happened to Tony or whatever and have my own ending rather than saying giving us an ending where everybody knows how it ended, you know? Right, which I think, you know, it's natural to, to want, you know, as humans, like we want closure, we want to kind of be able to like pack things up in a box. So I think it's what, yeah, mm-hmm. what, what, what usually initially frustrates people if they're watching it for the first time, but then when they look back, they're like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Most definitely. And as I mentioned before, like all systems to go to whack rusty people. I love the Naples uh, hitman mm-hmm. for some reason. They're just hilarious together, uh-huh. especially when they did that to um, what's his name's brother, brother and everything too, the twin brother. And oh, uh, the, it was a, are you talking about Paris from the, from the yeah, beginning? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's they're very they're how they did it and everything in the driveway was very just like very almost nonchalant. Right. Kind of has that Godfather feel to it in a, in a sense, though, too, because in this one, it's like, don't forget the cannolis and same type of context, though, with this where Rusty's getting in the car. This is actually when the guys from Naples goes ahead and shoots him. And then also, too, 
we also have an apology from Tony's bodyguard for uh, about the refrigerator slamming. And then Tony, of course, said, you know, I just love that back and forth vibe a little bit. I'm just nodding a little bit towards some of the stuff that happened. But Tony's like, good, don't let that happen again. Right, like, so. even though it didn't happen in the in the first place. And it was really sad because, I mean, obviously, like, you saw, like, Tony, you know, basically was, like, spitting up blood right after it happened. So it was not in any way, you know, beneficial for him, except, I guess, in his own mind, he felt like he was, you know, like, tough again. But uh, exactly. I feel like that was just an example of, of, of one of the Andy. ways you could see that Tony has, still has far, far to go in terms of, you know, kind of, understanding having a better perspective most definitely because if anybody was wondering he was actually trying to show masculinity by showing that he wasn't weak because in that last episode it was about showing weakness and everything especially with johnny crying because the marshals are carrying him out tony's also going through some stuff of his own where his own people are questioning him being weak and then of course he goes after the bodyguard and things like that so i like the whole entire thing how after that episode the bodyguard winds up apologizing to him and then of course we also get chris is going to the aa meeting and then kevin talks to chris and tells him that his cousin saw Vito in a gay bar dancing with uh, another guy chris tells tony that Vito is gay and was spotted in a gay bar wearing a motorcycle outfit Vito's uh phone goes to voicemail then still checks in with the stripper to see if the stripper's friend heard from Vito. Is there anything that you wanted to touch base on that one? Um, yeah, there was just, well, I thought it was, it was, um, it was interesting. And of course, Polly's always, you know, he, he was like, fucking slander, you ask me. And it was just, uh, it, 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 Polly, of course, you know, overreacts to things and plays the victim, but he was just funny how he was, you know, he was like so horrified there. But uh, I think that it's just, you know, it's, it's like, you know, that's not going to end well um, once, you know, once he's seen, um at, at the club and um it kind of it almost reminds me of like from back in season two when with matt bevlacqua and sean Desmonte where christopher was like make it two towns over i was almost like uh, like maybe you know it's like too bad we didn't we weren't wearing masks then you know would have would have been even easier for Vito, i guess to you know kind of sort of stay discreet but uh yeah that right. was uh i actually remember at the end of, of season six episode five when he first went back to the hotel I was, I thought that he was going to get killed right there. Uh, Me too. Yeah. And so it was interesting. Same here. I thought for sure Vito was going to get killed because I wasn't sure if, you know, if someone was one, someone from New York crew or Jersey, the Jersey crew was going to go on ahead and whack him or somebody tail them. Cause that was a risky move for Vito to go ahead and go to that hotel. Cause I know one thing I would be watching my back no matter what, if, if I was going to go to a hotel by myself, especially at some type of hotel like that. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And I felt so badly for, for Marie, his, his wife. Um, Cause it's just, I mean, yeah, she's obviously in for a, a rough time ahead too. Exactly. And then also too, I like how, you know, Vito's just trying to mind his own business, blowing off some steam, sneaking out, to the bar and everything and all of a sudden these guys wind up seeing him and then next thing you know it's like sally tells Susie, Susie tells johnny and then you know next thing you know the whole crew knows and then also to paulie saying how much betrayal can i take i thought i was after i defended the guy oh yeah <laughs> oh and let me just so so the whole thing where where finn basically signs Vito's death warrant as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. i was just so disappointed and, and, and to me 
it was just kind of ironic because, you know, Finn, he, he thought of himself, I'm sure. And, and he liked to think of himself as, you know, forward thinking, like progressive guy. Like even when he made that comment last the prior season about, I wouldn't want to take like a minority's job and just stuff where, you know, he seemed so bothered by the fact that, that these guys were going to, you know, likely do something horrible to Vito, but did he not understand that he was the one who confirmed everything for them in the first place? Right. But don't forget though, Fenn also said uh, this to Meadow. He goes, Did, were you there when your father was questioning me about this guy that I hardly even know and everything and wondering uh, if the guy is gay or not? Because remember he was in Satriales and everything and he was questioning uh, him in the back. And he also said that, Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, when they when they were asking him, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess I could understand him being intimidated. I just, it's unfortunate that yeah. Once like Meadows, you know, spilled the beans in the kitchen, and then she she mentioned it. I guess really it was Meadow then that shouldn't have said anything to Carmela, right? And, and Rosalie. Um. So yeah, that that probably was yeah. Meadow was you know at fault there too. Right. Exactly. It wasn't for Meadow saying, "Well, Fence saw him." Vito would have probably gone away with it a little bit more than what we were expecting. Maybe it would have just been like a rumor that was swept under the under the rug. But considering the fact that Meadow was the one who told them about Finn finding uh, finding out that Vito was blowing some guy and everything, that was the main problem. Right, right, exactly. And confirmed it. Right, yeah, because I mean, if, if if other than that, it could have. You know, I'm not saying that it would have would have been been great, and I'm sure certainly would have continued to watch my back, but. I mean, it was really, you know, because Tony still at the end of the day was, you know, wanted to give him, give him a pass. And he was he was really good money right. maker. It kind of reminds me, you know, a little bit of Ralph, although less, less you know, much more of a calmer than than Ralph, but similar in the sense of like he made Tony a lot of money and he was really good at what he did. Um, he was also a little bit ambitious and I think wanted Tony's spot. But I guess, you know, besides the point for right now, but uh, yeah, right it was a lot a lot going on and i feel like these the three episodes they're kind of multiple you know there's the veto storyline but then even you know beyond that there's also like aj there there's a lot going on uh, these episodes right exactly there's a lot going on and then also too veto tells the guys uh he is uh looking for him and veto tells them that he will follow them and spins off uh in his car so basically, then they realized too that Vito is hiding something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that told it right there as well, and you know, made it even more one hundred percent. And then Chris is also doing heroin all over again. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, with Vito, with the whole driving away, I think he probably figured that if he didn't get out at that moment, that he they were going to kill him right there because they would, you know, surround him in the, his in this car and not not let him leave. So I guess I probably would have done the same thing, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot going on. And Christopher, I mean, I I think of course ever since you know whatever happened with what happened with Aid, um, I I don't think he was ever like fully okay afterwards. So I'm not surprised that he relapsed. Me either, to be honest with you. And then of course you know you have Tony and Tony and Tony B busting his balls in the fifth season. And things like that too. That's also pushing him to that limit to do drugs again, and plus the depression of with aid and everything too. That's also another factor, right? You know, right. And things are just kind of you know 
things haven't been, of course, the same with, with, with Tony since, but I feel like it's kind of, you know, it, it, the tension builds up starting in, in her sixth day. And then, of course, uh, comes to a head later in the season. Right. And then um, this is also, too, where Vito uh, catches out, uh, goes, catches out and everything goes into his house and drives out of Jersey and throws his phone out the window. Yeah, when he sees Phil calling, I remember, like, I actually took a screenshot of that yesterday when I was watching, because it's just fun. It says, like, like Leotardo, Leotardo, and I was, like, it's just funny seeing it, like, on the, it was, like, the old-fashioned, uh, like, Nokia phones, or, or Nokia and Motorola or something. It's just, like, like uh, nostalgic. Right, that was the age before uh, smartphones. smartphones. <laughs> right, right, yeah, I'm looking at right now, it's, this is Phil right. L calling, and I was actually surprised because usually I feel like most phone numbers would be like five 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 something where you like know it's okay. Clearly, this is a made up number, but this is actually like a real number. <laughs> right. Usually, it's always right. the five 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 numbers, and I was actually surprised to see like a whole number. As a matter of fact, I was thinking that to myself. I'm like, wow, they're not doing the five 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 numbers like they normally right. do, you know, which is totally uh-huh. crazy. Um. But no, and then, like I said, with this whole thing, I like how Tony was going to give him a pass and everything. And then, you know, it goes to the old school guys, you know, of thinking where it's like, this would never have happened in my day. In my day, we would have actually whacked him and got rid of him. And it just goes to show you the new age of thinking versus the old age of thinking and the way that the mob is being run by Tony. And Tony also knows that Vito's a top earner and can he actually afford to take another hit? Because don't forget, he whacked... um, Ralph. You know, he ended up Ralphie, which is another top earner. Can he actually afford to take another right? Hit? And he, and he doesn't you know? trust Christopher. I mean, he he's had his you know, especially you know, with his with his drug issues, he's always been hesitant. So I feel like he could, you know, I, I can see why he would be more insecure and also for selfish reasons not want to uh, get rid of Vito. But it was just it was also interesting, exactly. like seeing the different the comparisons of how each one of them reacted. Because, you know, Patsy, crazy, he didn't really care. Like, he was like, I care less uh, when, when he first found out. And then, of course, you know, all the way up to like, Polly, and who was extremely dramatic about it. And then Carlo, <laughs> it was kind of like a random gambit. And then with, with Bobby, he was like, can't let him in our social club no more, which was like mild, relatively speaking, <laughs> to the rest of them. Exactly. Everybody else is like, you know what, we need... We can't take it from the back. And there was like a whole bunch of jokes and every, all that other stuff that was going on in it, you know. And <laughs> I just feel bad for Vito in this situation because really it was just minding his own business and all of a sudden this winds up happening. Right, right. And it's also it's also interesting because I feel like a lot of the, the show focuses on kind of I- identity. Um, and so this is for, like it's mm-hmm. an interesting other uh, aspect to the whole identity because I feel like he – you know, he doesn't, he kind of doesn't have his own identity or, or he, or what his identity is, he can't really be uh, real about. And so I can only imagine how much that has been eating away at him. Right, exactly. And then, you know, uh, this is also too where Vito walks into a small town and finds a hotel to stay in. Vito calls other people um, he may know to hide out. Vito's in New England. Waiter tells him to have the Johnny Cakes, Vito. Uh, and then this is, of course, when Vito is just checking out the waiter. Of course. <laughs> and <laughs> and then uh, Sil, uh, Vito's wife, where Vito is, and 
she tells him that she's in Vegas and then asked about the romance department. And of course, his wife is like dumbfounded that be, that still would even <laughs> ask her that in the first place. And I like what he told Chris, uh, Christopher. He goes, I've been with a lot of women. That woman has not been having. Yeah, sex that woman in years. is not getting laid. My business, <laughs> I see a lot of women. This one's not getting laid. It's just funny how he says things so matter of factly. Um, and it's, right. uh, yeah. Another thing that I that I thought, um, like, randomly on as a side note in this episode, that Hugh Camrella's uh, father was kind of an ass to her. He was like, I've had a lifetime of her bullshit. Like, with the spec house, I just, I remember I like wrote this right. down because she, you know, she'd been with Tony in the hospital and he's like acting like, oh, like you should have been there. Exactly. <clears throat> she was trying to make it more about her in a sense mm-hmm. with the, uh, instead of about Tony, about how he was feeling. I think that's why the father was taking a, a, uh, his side a lot, Tony's side a lot more. Oh, right. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then, uh, and then also the lunch with uh angie and carmella and and gabby and rosalie i don't know if, if if there was anything else before that but i just i laughed out loud at that whole lunch with angie and she's like i let a lot of terry get drunk and tear each other's throats out for their fundraiser <laughs> oh yeah that was a to be honest with you i always like it whenever those when the girls are actually involved and they're talking about everyday mm-hmm. stuff between mob wives, I always find that stuff fascinating and really funny because oh. it's like just a girl's day out, you know, and just private talks between the wives that you don't really see in front of Right, time. and it's interesting because when you think of, like, the you know, the first time, or not, maybe not the first time, but in season two when they all were meeting for lunch and when Rosalie said she was going to divorce uh, Puss and then it was like, oh my gosh, and then right. meanwhile, a few years later, she's like independent woman runs her own body shop like it's just interesting to observe the changes over time in in some of the characters right because remember in season four she was practically begging for handouts and then she went from begging to handouts to actually running pussy's business and also to doing a little side hustle on the side though right yeah with the that's how they were so surprised when she was like put me down for two grand and bought body work but hey so I thought yeah, that was I thought it was, funny. it was too. Like you could really tell there was a transformation. Although you know, I, I seemed like you know, I wish she could have you know maybe put the phone down for a few minutes and enjoyed her lunch. But uh, it it was also funny though too when she was like, "Oh, please, for God's sakes!" Because it seemed like she was yelling at Artie when she was actually like yelling at the person on the phone. Right. So I just I thought that was funny. I did too. I I thought that added a little extra to that scene. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I thought it was, it was perfect. Good. Um. Then of course Tony talks to Melfi about being gay. It's uh, it's a no no in the family. And even though, and, and, and even though she she can see right away, she's like, I know that you don't really care. <laughs> and then he, I have written down that he uh he he said he mentioned he's like what all this stuff like that guy Senator Sanatorium says, and it's like it's funny because he obviously he meant say Senator Rick Santorum, but. It, it was just funny because it's like you see kind of you know these these same you know issues and arguments of like you know, moral issues like you know they 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 really do just recur again and again so it's just an interesting like cultural observation 
Exactly. And then, of course, we also have Phil visiting Vito's wife and is mad that Vito is gay and married to his cousin, which is another slap in the face, which is another line that, of course, what I'm going to quote Paulie, how much more betrayal can I take? Uh-huh. You know? Well, and it... Oh, no, go because, ahead. Right. Because, you know, I can actually understand Phil's perspective. You married my cousin. You married my cousin. My, my cousin. And everything, and I also respected you. You were a great husband. You were a great father. And then here you are, being fake and not being straight up with my cousin, and everything. So I understand from Phil's perspective, but at the same time, he needs to be a lot more. His demeanor is not kosher. Right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah. It's you know really what? like you know, regardless of whether it was a woman or man, I I certainly you know wouldn't want feel like right. my you know, family member was was being cheated on and lied to. But it was just. I mean, I think with Phil, obviously I don't know this for a fact, but I I think that he had had uh, gay relationships with other men when he was in, in prison. And I think that's kind of why it's almost like he has mm. this sort of self-loathing that I think he projects in the form of being really extreme and, and, and acting like everything it has to be super masculine. But uh, yeah, it was definitely either way. It was definitely over the top. Definitely. It's just Phil being Phil. That's what I that's what I have in the parentheses. I said Phil's just being Phil with the masculinity stuff and things like that on what he thinks is right and what he right. thinks is wrong. Because of the time and place and right. era that he's from. Right. That's yeah, he was old old school. Um definitely. Uh this is also too where we have Carlo replacing Vito being in charge of the construction and with the New York crew. Uh, New York crew won't do, uh, take orders from Vito. If Vito does come back, New York crew wants Vito whacked. So pretty much everything in this episode is pretty much gearing towards Vito is getting right. whacked. Right, <laughs> right. And point. then also um, one thing I wrote down that I thought was it was interesting just on the 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 Tony family, other family side, um, how he was talking to, to to Melfi about his about AJ, and then. Uh, Carmela was saying that uh, that the kids are that there's so much information is, is thrown at them today coming from everywhere and it just makes me think like that was in right 2005 2006 let's imagine what they would think of 2021 right. in terms of you know, being overburdened with right. information not only that but if you think about it AJ would actually fit into this generation because with Tony his generation and plus maybe with our generation though too we grew up playing outside we we ended up doing a lot more stuff that was outside mm. rather than inside and you, the look on tony's face when aj's in his boxers laughing at a computer screen and things like that i think if aj was around now he would actually fit in a lot better <laughs> with this crowd because of the fact that he was and to me he is part of that generation that we have today with technology, with uh, social networks. Oh yeah, when like uh, when there was this uh, fundraiser a couple of months ago, uh, for, for the Sopranos, the old cast came together and they did a little skit. And AJ's uh, pretend profession was a guy who who uh, sold and, and traded Bitcoin on the internet, and it just like <laughs> it fits so well because we're like that. I'm like that's what he would do. That would be. Exactly. I could actually see him coming up with his own social website, maybe like MySpace or Facebook or something like that. I can definitely right, see him doing something like sure. that. 
Um, so that's everything from episode six that I wanted to talk about. Was there anything else that you want to touch on? Um, with episode no, I, six? I don't think so. I think we, we touched the surface of, of at least, of at least everything. All right. So now we're getting into episode seven, Luxury Lounge. Now, this is an episode that I find fascinating because of the fact where you have rich people uh, going to these luxury lounges, getting free stuff. Every single time <laughs> I see Ben Kingsley or no, Sir Ben Kingsley, I automatically think of The Sopranos. Well, yeah. Oh, no, of course. It's like, it just, yeah, it's like I, can't, I couldn't imagine just thinking of anything else first besides that, even though he's obviously had a much longer career. <laughs> Right, because even in Iron Man, when he was in the third Iron Man movie, I'm like, he was the guy <laughs> from The Sopranos. <laughs> that's the only that's my automatically automatic mindset. But you know, this is of course where the guys from Naples arrive in Jersey to whack Rusty, the third party. That's you know, I don't even know the third party's name or anything like that that gets high with Christopher and things like that. Right, so right, yeah. Just party. he's just like the 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 uh, Italian friend. Yeah, the friend who who gets his drugs from Christopher. Right. Um, that uh, the boat leaves the guns on the ground and everything after shooting Rusty. Artie's business is suffering. You see, I love the stuff with Artie this season because it goes to show you how much how annoying Artie actually right. is. Right, but I but I did because even his own customers are getting tired of him. Credit card. Me too. Uh, situation because. I mean, that was, I, I felt like that was a, you know, not fair with the American Express. That was a kick in the nuts. And, I'm and not going to lie. Card. But yeah, but he, at the same time, you're right. He also clearly, you know, kind of tries to flirt with these women and do them favors, like under the guise of thinking they're going to sleep with him or, or, or something. <laughs> and then how he kind of, you know, uh, right. told Martina after like, oh, the immigration thing isn't going to work out anymore. You know, he shouldn't have tied that to, you know, her being open to flirting with him or, or hooking up with him but uh but i did feel badly about the the credit card because i know that he he and, and charmaine work really hard same here i do feel bad for Artie with that like i said it definitely feels like a kick in the nuts whenever you think about it because it's people that he entrusted with his um with his <laughs> restaurant and things like that i also love the snarty attitude that uh when tony recommends doing two first because what's next <laughs> i know? think i only i for some reason i was like cut off for like a 30 seconds so i think i missed um like the last 30 seconds so oh yeah okay. so the last thing i had said was that that i feel felt badly for Artie because i know that he and charmaine work, work really hard but he also mm -hmm. acted inappropriately with martina as well most definitely he definitely um ended up mistreating the hostess and everything else uh, when it came down to it, he was always hitting on the women and everything else, trying to get with them, even though he was married to Charmaine. And then also, too, I wanted to talk about the twofer thing whenever he got snarky with Oh, Tony. right, right. Yeah. Uh, he goes, why don't you try twofers? What's next? An early bird uh, special. I think that, it was an uh, early bird special. An early, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, I felt badly because, of course, there. That's the whole Dal Giovanni thing, and which, um, you know, I know, I know the guys right. were hungry and, and waiting for their food, but when Phil, when Phil was like, "Oh, have you heard of the new place?" It's like, really, like you just gotta rub it in like that. But I guess that's Phil, so. <laughs> exactly, and then of course this is where we have 
Christopher and Tony tells that Vito's wife hasn't heard from him. That's just a brief thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, Christopher wants time off to do the meeting in Cali with Little Carmine so that they can uh, attach Ben's Kingsley to Christopher's movie. Tony is concerned with the football game. Chris tells Tony that um, Tony is okay, uh, that he okayed it in the hospital. This is back to what we talked about, remember? Right. Uh, when we were doing... And... He didn't even say anything. Christopher just went on ahead and talked to him after he got the tube taken out. So basically, Christopher in his mind said Tony said it was okay when really Tony was giving him out go to hell look. Right. I think he also like, you know, Christopher felt like, oh, I kind of gave aid up. So, you know, you kind of have to do this for me sort of thing, which, um, you know, obviously that sort of arrangement isn't going to end well. But uh, yeah, I guess he, he. Figured I might as well take, might as well tell him about it while I can before he can really respond. Exactly, because he already knew the response he was going to get because he said to him in like a couple of seasons back, stay focused, don't pay attention to this Hollywood shit or anything like that. Focus on the family. That's where your main focus needs to be, right. not in Hollywood. And this, of course, Chris said he'll cancel the trip. And then this also, of course, is where Rusty yep, gets there's a, a There's a lot going on. And then, of course, you know, Christopher and, and Little Carmine end up going out, meeting Ben Kingsley, and <laughs> quite an awkward meeting they have. <laughs> that was such an awkward meeting. You can definitely tell Ben didn't want to be there. Not only that, at first, whenever I first saw this episode, here. Now, let me ask you this. Did you feel like Ben was being a douche towards Christopher at first? Or did you feel like that he had a legit reason why he was acting the way he was acting? Because the first time I saw it, I was thinking, okay, Ben is definitely being a douchebag towards Chris. But then at the same time, going back and watching it, uh, Chris is getting high. He's getting loaded off his ass. He's spaced out. He's not focused, even whenever he's supposed to be talking to Ben. And trying to pitch it, Carmine's doing the best he can, but he needs Christopher to back him, and he's not there to back him. And Ben is uh, not even interested or anything that's going on around him to the point where he's even right. Exactly. Yeah, and I thought it was you? just it, it was interesting because you know Christopher. What, now that they were, you know, in the company of these celebrities and actually celebrities, it was almost like he, I'm sure he he probably felt poor, and, and he was the fact that he was so entranced with the the whole luxury lounge and and it, you know he certainly like wasn't wearing a good poker <laughs> face i mean um certainly you know for, for meeting someone for the first time and whom you're trying to impress i just you know i felt like they were just very very forward and um you know of course some of the stuff that that little carmine said was was funny but in terms of like you know the really awkward insecure i just yeah i mean christopher he just he wasn't in the right mindset either Definitely not. He was definitely off center and Ben knew it. He knew something was off with Christopher to the point where he's like, you know what? He sees his neighbor with the dog and everything gets up from where he, where uh, he's sitting and then goes over to the luxury lounge uh, thing and tries to get some free stuff. And then Chris is just like, he looks at Carmine and goes, is all this shit free? Cause there's Rolex watches, fossil watches, uh, iPods at the time, which is outdated now, but <laughs> there was like a lot of top-notch stuff. Even Singular Wireless was there, right, which right. is now AT&T. <laughs> it has a lot of nostalgia factors to it. 
with some old technology that we had at the time that we were all gone hope uh-huh. for at that time. Yeah, and I think it was, it's know? also kind of like, you know, with this thing where money is the center of everything and it's all about, you know, material possessions, I feel like it's, I'm not surprised that they all of a sudden, you know, that, that Christopher felt extra insecure because it was almost like, you know, he thought like all this hard work I do and all this for his money and like, I can't even get any of this stuff. Like, I feel like he all of a sudden saw him, himself as more of a failure. Right. And then, of course, you know, he has been for the sunglasses, which I thought was even funnier. He's like, and then you can definitely tell Ben didn't want them in the picture with him and that girl. Oh, yeah. the wo- Yeah. He, I think he was trying to, like, I don't even think, <laughs> I think he was pre- essentially having that woman, like, come save him from the meeting. Like, when he, he's like, oh, hello, like, we have to go. Right. Um, and it was just so obvious that you were almost, like, watching it, you were like, do they not realize that he's trying to go away? But I guess, no, I guess they don't. Right, because all they are is starstruck, and not only that, but they figured, okay, well, we'll just go in and follow Ben around and everything, like his entourage, and see what happens. Maybe they might, he might end up liking them, and everything, and be like, hey, tell me more about the story I'm talking as they're walking, rather right. than having a sit down with them. But it doesn't go that way. <laughs> but you can definitely tell the girl uh, whenever he was taking pictures, just from. I uh, remember whenever he's uh-huh. whenever he got his free stuff when Ben did, and Carmine's like, "Hey, let's take a picture of him together and everything." And Chris is like, "Okay," just shrugs and goes over there, and they're both taking pictures. With oh him yeah, and he's like, really he's like, like, he's like <laughs> yeah, like baby, he probably figured, oh, these guys are gonna take a picture with me, and then they're gonna like share it with everyone, and I say like we're best friends or something. Um, another <laughs> part with with uh, Kingsley that I thought was funny was when, um. Uh, he was asking Carmine and Christopher, like, you know, why why do you want me as the role? And then little Carmine was like, no one plays a tough, ruthless, hard-hearted prick like you do. You got it down. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Carmine, you're... I feel bad for you. I really do. Like, every single time when he tries to be a mafioso or tries to do something that will try and sell somebody it winds up oh going yeah like how you, how you whatever happened there that you posted the other day i know that's a, whenever we talk about that episode, right. we'll, we'll that, that'll we'll have to like you know talk about that mean specifically because it was it, was, it was pretty <laughs> hilarious but uh yeah I, I i wouldn't say that the luxury lounge visit was a success no, it was a failure, utter failure. I also have to laugh at it when, a matter of fact, Chris winds up uh, throwing the sungla- the expensive sunglasses, ripping them apart. He goes, I even got the guy up. Oh, a yeah, I sent him some basket of them. It's like, <laughs> like, right, because I'm sure that's going to change his, change his, his mind. basket. <laughs> right. And then... They also try stealing the woman's dog to get her get to get Ben. Casey's yeah, that's attention. probably that negative. Not not all attention is, is good attention. <laughs> um, but yeah, he probably was no. Just, I mean, it's, uh, not in the best of circumstances. So no, definitely not. And now oh, we man. have a bunch of stuff with Artie and Benny. Oof, this is. <laughs> Um, Artie's customers are tired of him. Benny likes the 
new hostess, Artie's business is suffering because of him not staying in the kitchen. Because here's the thing. I watch a lot of Kitchen Nightmares oh, and everything else. I've, with never, I've, never, I've never seen it. And this, you haven't? Oh, it, it's a good show, but it also shows me some of the stuff that Artie was oh, doing yeah. that he shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> like, because Gordon got, gets on to the chefs or managers that are and stuff like that who are outside of the kitchen when they're supposed to be inside oh, the kitchen. Oh, yeah, it was just he was talking so much. Right. Like, it was just, it was like how Charmaine said, like, you know, when, when you go, when they go out to, to serve the coffee, like, say hello, but that's it. Like, they're not, like, he was, like, hovering over them and then making jokes right. about them having babies. Like, it was just, it, it, not only was he talking too much, but right. he was also just saying really weird shit. Exactly. He was like the way you two are looking at each other. I can oh tell God. right now. I'm gonna have to come out with the baby, and then not even five minutes later, he does it to another couple, and it, it's not like it's a crowded restaurant anymore or anything like that. And oh, yeah, people awkward. can actually like, hear him. You know, you got to read the room, dude. Like, right. <laughs> it's like just because we think you're a convivial host doesn't mean we we we, we, we want to talk to you throughout our whole dinner. <laughs> Exactly, because the job of the chef is to have him cook for you, not have him talk about his memories or what. Especially not with Martina <laughs> to tell you about the Martina specials. That was that was so funny, <laughs> right? And then also too, he's aggravating the women though too. Uh, he's aggravating Carmela and them with the fish. Uh huh. Remember, he's like, "This is a beautiful fish and everything. You can't get this. Is like something oh, that's yeah, from overseas. He, he always, you're gonna like, love it." Yeah, he just <laughs> he went overboard with it. Even you know, throughout the series, he did that a couple of other times. But yeah. it's like, yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this is just yeah. I, I feel badly for the for 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 him though with with the credit card, and that was just like I really didn't like that, and I liked how Me Tony too. said to Benny like, "You don't shit where where don't shit where you eat." And you definitely don't shit where I eat because I feel like that was exactly what Benny did. Exactly. Exactly. And then also too, Artie, um, let's see. Uh, this is also when he tells Valentina uh, that he can't uh, speed her through the green card. Artie is jealous of Benny. Artie is at the Bing is jealous at Tony because he thinks that he can fuck the stripper. And he can't. And the fact that uh, it even drives him even madder, already even mad because of the fact that he can't do anything about it because he's married and he's just an average person. But for someone like Tony, who is an alpha male, who is actually part of the mob, he can do right. it. Right. I think even it's though he's interesting married. also just when you when you put you know Charmaine and Artie next to each other, the whole thing with Charmaine throughout the series is that she had no desire to be involved in any uh, you know, wise eye business. And, and she just like how she had said to Carmela, right. like she was happy with her choices that she made. She didn't wish to be involved in that lifestyle. Whereas with Artie and you can kind of, you know, see it here, as you mentioned, he kind of, you know, he's, he resents it. He's resentful. He's jealous. Like he wants to, you know, theoretically be able to, you know, go home with the stripper, but it's like, you can tell he's just not, quite as content or actually happy with things overall, whereas Charmaine was. 
Definitely not, because he's like, I want to have the life of Tony Soprano. I don't want to be Arthur, Arthur Bucco. Even whenever he in the fifth season, when he's acting like he's a ma- mafioso kind of figure, dressing all in black and leather, asking for his money back from John Belief, and, and trying to act like Silvio, in a sense. And basically the Dollar General right, version right. of Silvio. No, and, 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 you know. and I think, you know, I think overall that, that Artie's a, a good guy. I just I think that he was much less sure of himself right. than than Charmaine. I mean, he's lucky to have Charmaine, in my opinion. He, same. Because, like you said, Charmaine is more of the level-headed one. Artie is the type of person that thinks on emotion, acts on emotion, and does things without thinking and everything. And Charmaine's the one who has to set him straight before doing anything and that's what i like about their relationship they balance out each other definitely i think that that yeah i mean and i guess you know he yeah they're good balance that's perfectly sad and then also to uh uh, author visits benny about about the scam that they uh, and matter of fact already thinks that tony's part of the scam but he's not part of the scam or anything like that. Tony's legit told uh, Benny to stay away, but Artie doesn't even know that. <clears throat> but, you know, he, he winds up beating the crap out of Benny and everything at his own home at 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, and then he winds up spinning on him. And then after that winds up happening, Artie, Carmen Meadow are on the boat. Tony confronts Artie about Benny. Artie should have went to uh, Tony instead of him taking it out on Benny. And I agree with Tony. Tony should, um, Artie should have went to Tony instead of him taking it to himself. Uh, you know, I understand his frustration, but at the same time, you know, if there's someone right, that can actually right. handle no, I, it, I, I it's certainly Tony. would have been the, the, I think the better idea. I just, I think with Artie is probably, you know, cause it was like, not only was he not paying him back, like how Jean Philippe was, but it was like almost like Benny. He well, he was attacking his livelihood, and so I remember someone asked one time, like, "Oh, like, were you surprised? Weren't you surprised that Artie could actually, you know, beat up or win a fight against Benny?" But I think at that point he was just so, so angry and just felt so violated that I, I guess you know that for him, like, he was. I guess he had that adrenaline and was, you know, willing, but, but of course, you know, not, not that that was overall the, the right idea, but I, I, I didn't, I do understand him running because I wanted to probably beat up Benny at that point too. So. Right. Same. My thoughts wouldn't be rationally at all, to be honest with you. I'm like, look, you're starting up a credit card fraud at my business. You're shitting all over my business. I was good to the hostess. Uh, well, good to all the other, right, other right. employees, not so much the hostess, but, um, but, and here you are doing credit cards fraud and everything, but, you know, Tony also doesn't tax Benny for anything, Benny's father's mother's anniversary, so instead of them having it at that other Italian restaurant, they Tony forces Benny to be over oh, at yeah, that was, Artie's restaurant, I which mean, I find hilarious. Even, even in a regular situation, that would have been awkward, but especially with Artie. That just and then I love how they both had black eyes too. So like I wonder if they did they ask like oh I wonder how me too they, was that connected somehow? <laughs> right, because another thing though too is, and I have to say this: Artie asked for this. I mean, the war between Benny and him at this point because 
Artie's acting around like he has immunity, like he can't be touched because he's Tony's friend and because he was a victim of credit card fraud. So therefore he can buzz right. I feel like as much was, as he can. Uh, like a show of goodwill, you know, what obviously, you know, Tony was making Benny and his family do that. But, but in any case, I feel like that was kind of, okay, like we're obviously bringing you a lot of, of business here. We're trying to kind of, you know, make, make up for it in a way. And so I, I do think that Artie could have acted better and not started making the, you know, the Martina jokes, but I, I guess that's, you know, for him, he, he let his emotions get the best right. of him, unfortunately. Definitely, most definitely. And, you know, at this time, as, not only that, but in this episode too, remember Arthur also shoots a, a rabbit to try and get his right, back Right, right. Well, that, that's it. it's interesting because... Oh, no, go ahead. That's I was going to say, yeah. Right. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I feel like that's no, no, no. kind of one like, silver lining in the episode for Artie is that, you know, the whole situation with the rabbit and then him getting out his grandfather's you know handwritten recipe i felt like he was able to like get back into his element even if temporarily because you know once he was really in the zone he's cooking like you could see like oh yeah this is why this this is this guy's passion um but then of course you know he doesn't necessarily remain in that mood but i almost i felt like that was like a little silver lining of the episode party definitely most definitely and then also too um, Benny also puts Arthur's hand. Oh in yeah, the, before the rabbit, right? That's actually right. Before the to, uh, rabbit team joke. <laughs> right. Because, oh, yeah. You know, I, I heard the martini. And then it was like, yeah, it was one of those. <laughs> it was so awkward, and then I was just like, whoa, that just upped the awkward level even more. Exactly, and that just amplified it even more. Benny had enough of it. And I can't blame Benny for just sitting uh-huh. there and just trying to take it, you know. But at the same time, Artie was the one who was asking for it because he feels right. like he that he had immunity he over Benny um, at that time. You know, kind of let it go. I think once Benny brought his family to the restaurant, uh, at that point, you know, everything else was unnecessary. But you know, I guess, I guess the, I guess such is life in, in, in the Sopranos with people making bad decisions that lead to worse decisions. Exactly. But, yeah, that's pretty much everything that yep, we want to so. touch yep, on about so five through seven. So, so this has actually been pretty great, though. Just, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed having you on the show and everything, and I appreciate you, once again, taking the night out just to talk about The Sopranos. I have a great time just conversing with so, you. Uh, um, where so can everybody reach on, you at? Twitter. Um, but follow you at. handle is that. Uh, uh, S Rosendorf 1014. So uh, S is in Sam, R O S is in Sam, E is in Evan, N is in Nancy, D is in David, uh, O R F as in Frank, and then 1014. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Stephanie Rosendorf Diaz, uh, Instagram at S Rosendorf Diaz, and then I'm also on uh, TikTok. Which you can find me at Sopranos Blueprint, and then most importantly, uh, my uh, blog site, which is Sopranos Blueprint. Dot com. I, I write uh, blog posts about different articles, characters, and I also publish two uh, quizzes a week. So Sopranos trivia, sometimes it's 
a featuring a, one season or, or one episode or, or and sometimes it's focused on one particular character so i uh, release those every monday and friday so uh, again that's uh, sopranosblueprint.com and you can also sign up to to subscribe to the newsletter there or just uh hop on by whenever i put a new uh, a new post out all right and you know, you guys can go ahead and follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook, underneath the same name on Instagram as well at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. You guys can go to www.movieloversunite.com for all your entertainment needs and wants. <clears throat> of course, you guys can follow me on Pinterest underneath the same name that you that I just mentioned for Facebook and also too on uh, on Instagram as well. You guys can follow me at Movie Lovers uh, Unit on on Twitter as well. Of course, John DiGorio8 on Twitter. And then you guys can follow me on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast from for the audio-only side of things. And also, too, guys, we just dropped our trailer reaction to another movie today. And that movie is a small independent film. That movie is Minari. We actually did a trailer re- reaction review. So go ahead and check that out on our YouTube channel. And that's pretty much everywhere that you guys can reach me at. We do have some other stuff coming up tomorrow night. We're actually talking about our top 10 worst movies of 2010. So that's going to start at eight o'clock central time, nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific time. I hope you guys come out and support us on our YouTube channel for our YouTube live channel. So go ahead and check that out. if You guys can. So that's going to do no, it for Thank tonight. You for Thank you again, on. Stephanie. I do appreciate you. All right, I cannot wait to talk about The Sopranos one uh, again with you. And so, always until next time, guys, it's been real, it's been fun. I can't right, wait to do you. this again. All right, it's okay. Uh, so, basically, I was just saying about Tony and AJ bonding on the boat, AJ asking what's going to be done with Uncle Junior. Oh, yeah, that was, that was, that, that was interesting, because it's like, I feel like AJ, he was trying so hard there to kind of be this the stereotypical like you know a, a tough son that that you know goes and takes care of business and does what needs to be done like very kind of like how he was saying later in the episode that you told me that that god that godfather scene is your favorite like i feel like he almost thought he had to be like a some mafia son right like michael carleone he right, felt like exactly that exactly and you know i actually thought that too like i thought this was what tony had wanted as well like he wanted his son to be tough Mm-hmm. and everything because he's always talking about the fact that how his son's a pansy and everything and he's lazy he doesn't really care about anything he puts a couple of hours in the blockbuster and that's it with this AJ's like well, he's trying to find his place in the family and Tony does not want him even connected into the mob or anything like that he wants him to have his own voice but he also wants him to be a man so, right right and I think that that's kind of you know what 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 age i guess was aj was having trouble distinguishing like tony of course you know that was the life he was in and of course he also enjoyed watching those types of movies on, on tv but he he wanted you know what he saw as, as better for his son but you know for aj it's hard to see you know your father having a whole way of life and then you know thinking like well why would he not want me to do that then like if if i'm gonna be like good enough like i have to kind of do those those things but uh yeah it's just interesting how from the different perspectives 
Definitely. It's definitely a different perspective and everything, too, because we're thinking, okay, Tony might be accepted to the fact that his son wants to step up and do something. But I think at this point, though, too, Tony is also pretty much done with Uncle June because Uncle June is already pretty much gone with the Alzheimer's. So he's probably like, you know what? Alzheimer's is bad enough. He's also shot me. He's in a um, he's in a psych ward and everything. He's he's at a place where he's going to wind up dying in. So therefore, he doesn't see any use in even trying to do anything with Uncle Junior. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially I mean, there's really I feel like nothing to do. I mean, at that at that point, it's it's I mean, it's it's foolish. And then if anything, it could only cause him more legal trouble if someone tries to, 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 to take Junior out. Exactly. And then let's see, I got Patsy picking up money from the coffee shop. He wants the coffee shop to pay for protection. Christopher <laughs> thinks Carlo should whack Vito. Oh, I love I so I that the whole scene with 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 when Patsy goes to to the coffee shop and and tries to you know get them to join the merchants cooperative. It just it was just so funny because you know it, it made me think of something that would like happen in actual real life, like if someone's trying to organize a union. But of course with Patsy and them, it's ridiculous because they're you know from organized crime. But it was uh you know I felt like it it kind of said a lot about you know like corporate America and, and everything when he was like mm-hmm. the guy was like. Every single last bean is 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 accounted for, and if you threw a, a glass something through the glass, like they probably wouldn't feel it at all because they have ten thousand stores. <laughs> right, I'm thinking of like Godfather, whenever people used to have their own franchise, and the franchise not even that big, so therefore they can actually hustle one fran- one little small store out of yeah. their money. With this, they're a corporation. It's a hard to actually hustle a corporation out of their money. You would actually have to hire more mob figures to go out, go to each one and do the same exact thing that you're doing to that one store to make a point. Right, right, exactly. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like in water that like you're never gonna win in that situation. <laughs> exactly. And then I think Passy said, "What the fuck is the world coming to?" Right, right. Like it's so like it like you know, like making like they're the, the, the victim. Although I guess kind of, you know, a lot of like, the, you know, neighborhood changing sort of thing was, I guess, a big theme in, in this episode. Cause then of course with mm-hmm. Juliana and the Jamba Juice, all of that, which I guess we'll, we'll get to, but I feel like kind of, yeah, like things changing and, 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 and the old way being gone and kind of this new, like I mean, almost generic, uh, importing in, into the city of everything I feel like was kind of an overall theme exactly um then we also have tony sees real estate agent uh juliana schiff um skiff tony uh owns a building uh owning a building and they want to sell it mm-hmm. and everything so i thought that was pretty interesting on how he wanted to play into the real estate mm-hmm well, yeah, and, and then, of course, you know, with him, he was, you know, the extra agenda with, you know, of course, he's attracted mm-hmm. to her. But then it, right. what's interesting is that he also, you know, in season six, I feel like is when the gambling really heats up. So once he, you know, once she offers enough money and he gets tempted enough, I think that's why he's, you know, ends up going through with the sale. Exactly, because she ended up making her sell it for more than what it was mm-hmm. because the asking price. And everything because it was supposed to be like three hundred and fifteen thousand one hundred seventy five a square foot. Right. So yeah, he was definitely trying to get more money out of that 
and everything too. He got more out of this than the HUD business. The HUD uh, scam didn't give him that much money compared to this. Right. When in this, you know, for for at least for what it's worth, it was, you know, it was it was legal, so it's you know, it's easier just all around. Mm-hmm. In, in exactly. Right, and then it's also easier for the taxes and stuff like that right. too. Because that's also a big thing that plays off into this uh, season too is the with the buildings and everything is the whole entire uh, thing where he has to have his W two form and everything, and that's also why too he doesn't want to sell the other the building. Right, right. The other building. Right, right. Exactly. Let's see. Then we also have Vito uh, telling Johnny Cakes he tells him that he has balls going into the fire. We talked about that. Um, then Vito pretends he's writing it. Uh, writing Jim has a daughter he's making and then um, he's making moves on Vito right right oh and then and at first when I think when the daughter ran into the diner I think he was thinking oh he's actually like not gay like I must have misread him mm-hmm. then of course obviously he finds out he isn't but uh, yeah that was that was interesting yeah I thought so too he's like okay we're actually have some common ground now and everything too he's like wait he's actually gay he has a daughter i have kids of my own how is he doing this when how is he making it work right. basically uh-huh. i can see it even though he's not saying it it's the way he's looking at him is like how the hell is he making this work i can't even make my own marriage work right now because of who i am right kind of thing right and it was almost like i felt almost like he felt it was like a punch to the gut because he was like yeah it's just like, oh, I, I wanted to just think this would be easy. Like, no, and it's not, like, mm-hmm. that would not be an easy situation. Definitely not. And, you know, I liked how Jim looks at Vito and everything, and he's kind of flirting back a little bit after the daughter leaves and things like that. And he's also telling him, hey, um, good luck on your book. He's showing an interest in Vito mm-hmm. as well. And, uh, like I said, then it goes back over to Tony visiting the building that is up for sale and everything. And then uh, AJ is working at Blockbuster, talking about Crunching Tiger the Hidden Dragon and everything. That doesn't really do anything. Um, Elliot asked Melfi about how Tony is doing instead of focusing on Melfi's dad. What do you think about that? Yeah, one? so I, I thought it was interesting because I feel like that's kind of over a few different seasons um Elliot and 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 Elfie have had that that kind of going back and forth where you know he acts like she is doing the wrong thing by by treating a quote-unquote gangster but then at the same time he also is oddly interested in it in a way where Melfi thinks he gets some sort of like entertainment from it and so I think that this was just another another example of that um one of my my favorite quotes quote here was uh when Elliot says this Omerta concept comes from a pre-therapeutic culture in terms of Tony not wanting to deal with his issues regarding the shooting. And then she says to Melfi says to Elliot, this is an Omerta. This is something else. And I was like, it, it just, to me, that just symbolized, like that totally represented it perfectly. Cause with Tony, it's like, it's obviously, it's not just like Omerta. Obviously there's just so much baggage and so much like underlying that he, he has yet to address. I just feel like that kind of summed it up well. I think so too. I like definitely how she sums it up. And then I also like how she calls Elliot out on his BS as well, because he's, he's always doing that to her, ignoring her problems and focusing on Tony 
thinking that Tony is her main problem, which he is kind of, but she's not there for consul- uh, consultation with about her patient. She's there for herself because she needs counseling. Right, she's not talking about well. him. Like it'd be different if she was the one that started bringing him up, like kept bringing him up, but she, you know, she she wasn't at that point. Exactly. I like how she calls him out on it, and after six seasons, she's finally tired of Elliot at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> you right. Know? So I definitely like that. Right. Well, it's crazy um, how that then comes back like later towards you know the end of the 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 series, but that's you know that's way way later on. Exactly. And then we also have Phil and Tony. Uh, Phil asked about where Vito is. Tony said it's not a business. Yeah. <laughs> he works for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Phil, I can see Phil's point in a like a like I said, we actually talked about this a little bit before where Phil is mad because Vito is married to uh Phil's cousin. Who ends up know? not even being apparently his 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 uh his cousin or they're like a second cousin. But I mean it's not the point anyway, because obviously, you know, it's it's not what, right. they, what they think they are. Exactly. <laughs> he feels like Vito insulted him and his bloodline and insulted his cousin. And everything. Yeah, he's uh, on the right, line. and then he and I think all he feels like you know because he he got past the you know Tony B killing his brother, but like you know not you're gonna try to still do something to me again, like like he kind of was trying to play that card a lot. Exactly, and then Vito steals a phone and calls Maria, and she wants him home. And he says, oh, there's $30,000 in uh, behind the headboard. And then Vito buys the firefighters around a beer. Yeah, and then he wants to do play poker. And they were like, oh, it's already midnight. <laughs> and he's like, this is just getting started. <laughs> he's not. He's definitely not used to people having jobs or anything like that. He's used to the everyday life of a mobster where everybody has time for something. Right. You know, even on the no-show jobs. He's really not doing anything but sitting there and BSing with his friends. And he thinks that everybody is like that. And he's trying to find a way to fit in. But at the same time, he sticks out because he's not used to everybody having a uh, schedule when it comes down to regular working hours. Because I feel like he used to, like, remember back in season two when he was sent over to build um, Beansy a ramp for when he went there? So I'm thinking, like, you know, at one point, like, I guess he, he obviously had to do something, but at the same time, I guess it's a kind of a different state of mind because maybe he was doing that as a favor, but that might not have meant that he had a regular schedule where he was, like, doing that on a daily basis. So. Right, because that was actually a favor towards Tony right. to put up the ramp for Daisy right. and everything. So that was more right. of a job that he was trying to have for Tony. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, but it's so funny later, when, oh. in a couple episodes from now, when he does, when he looks at his watch every, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of myself though at work it's like okay don't look at the wor- don't look at my watch don't look at it save her save it save oh 100 and all of a sudden it's like shit <laughs> but but yeah i definitely love that part we'll talk uh-huh. a little bit more about that in a few minutes um jim kisses Vito and acts like he isn't gay and fights jim i like how the both of them fight each other and then basically how then Vito tried to pull like a, a a fast one and he was like no and then he ended up winning essentially the fight so to speak exactly because i'm not gay and then uh jim says well quit um 
well, quit throwing uh, throwing it out there like you are. You're giving me mixed signals. And he goes, well, I'm not, okay. And then, that, like you said, that's when he goes back over to the diner a couple of days later and he makes that line about telling a lie so, mu- so much that, you know, he doesn't know when to stop lying. But, and then after that, it cuts into AJ wanting money for clothes and wants to uh, to be involved in managing a club. Tony wants to get AJ a club when he's not even a legal Thank drinking goodness age. Thank he did not get him one. Tony... <laughs> No, I think that if he did that, number one, AJ would run oh, yeah. to the ground, and it's just another. Not only that, but Tony would have to play uh, clean up. Oh yeah, that'd be such a hassle. Thing, like too. he would, like yeah. I mean, that's just so many reasons why that would not have been a good idea. Same, and I'm glad that Camilla actually confronted Tony and telling him, "Hey, look, he's not even a legal drinking age, and you want to buy him a club." I'm glad that you know she gave. And she told Tony to think, rethink about that. Yeah, not to mention his lack of work ethic. Like, what happens when someone has to actually clean it and like run it and like deal with employees and like stuff like that? Exactly. Um, then, of course, we also have Tony is thinking about finding uh, someone else to sleep with. <laughs> right. Yeah. With the... Yeah. <laughs> of course. Because, you know, he's after uh... Juliana. Juliana, which I have to say, Juliana is a very attractive woman in this season. I definitely like her. I also like uh, season four with Ralphie's girl. I think that oh, she's, uh, a, she's also another one that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Valentina. Those to me are the two beautiful ones and stuff. Um, but, you know, I think that it's funny that Tony is actually thinking about finding someone else to fill well, that need. Well, and it's funny because he, like, <laughs> you know, you know when, when he first got out of the hospital, he was all like, Oh, I'm so grateful for Carmella, and like I'm just gonna every day is such a gift. Right. And like, but then you can see just you know a few episodes later, he's already back to like chasing the new thing, like the new, the new rush. Exactly, most definitely, and it feels like in this one is dealing with the rush, the excitement of something new. Right, I think so. Yeah, because because you have Vito who's chasing uh, Jim, and that's something new in his life, and the town's also new. He's chasing that. Then you have Tony, who's actually chasing uh, someone new to sleep with. And then you have AJ, who's actually trying to chase a dream that isn't going to happen until he's actually a legal drinking age. But he still wants to try and do something. Yeah, I think, kind of, you know, chasing is, is a theme that we see throughout. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's always this agita and there's always this, you know, anxiety and, and worry and wanting mm-hmm. the next big thing. So that's why no matter what. No matter what, how well Tony and them may have done with money, it never would have been enough because it was always you know, about chasing it. Exactly. And then this is also, too, when AJ is snorting drugs. AJ is under Tony's shadow. I definitely feel like, you know, he can't escape his dad's shadow because no matter where he goes, he's always going to be Tony's son. Even the little man that is over Oh, at the ball, yeah, we you know, that's over the club. Father. Right. It just seems like AJ is trying to find himself, but he can't because he's under Tony's shadow. And because he's under Tony's shadow, he'll never have his own voice, be able to do things that he wants to do because he's always going to be under his dad's shadow. Right. Yeah. And also, like, you know, I feel like he's free, you know, as he grew up, I think kind of conflicted and gone back and forth and and for the most part, not really had an interest in in doing what his, his father does. But also at the same time, 
feeling like, you know, like he's so connected to that directly, obviously from, from being his dad. And, you know, it, what else could he, could he, he even, even do? He obviously wasn't very confident in himself. I remember when he went to, to Columbia to visit Meadow in season three, and then he like freaked out at seeing the other kids and then decided he didn't want to go to college anymore just because I think like he was just, he, he didn't really know who he was. Exactly. And because you can actually tell during that season, he's like, I don't know where I would fit in. Do I fit in with someone that studies all the time? Do I fit in with the jocks? Do I fit in with someone that loves music? You can definitely tell when he's looking around where he wants to try and find his place at. If he can find a place at all that actually suits him. Right. So that's, that's something that I thought that was interesting. Of It was foreshadowing a little oh, bit yeah, with this definitely. episode. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have, of course, he tells Carmella that he wants to be woken up at 10.30 a.m. And, of course, he's been sleeping, moping all day long. Finally, he gets up. This is where AJ visits Junior, wanting to whack him for shooting Tony. AJ drops drops the knife on the floor. And and then there's, of course, where Tony winds up bailing him out of prison and said, what the hell is wrong with you and everything? And that's when he gives him the whole entire thing. Well, I thought something had to be done. And he's like, no, you're a good person, AJ. You don't need to be doing this. Uh This is not for you. That was a really sad scene, I felt. Um, Just because, you know, of course, it was sad that AJ was crying. But I just, you know, I felt like it was kind of like almost something that had been simmering throughout in terms of AJ not knowing what he wanted to be or who he wanted to be. And it all kind of culminating with that. Exactly. Um, but I also thought it was interesting where, when AJ made the comment about every time we watch Godfather, when Michael Corleone shoots those guys at the restaurant, you loved it, et cetera, et cetera. And then when Tony said to him, AJ, that was a movie. It reminded me of in season four <laughs> when Syl had said the same thing to Tony about Gary Cooper. He was like, hey, that was oh, a movie. Yeah. And then... Um, <laughs> And then also at another point throughout the series, someone had said something. Oh, yeah. And then in season one, Polly said to Christopher, Richard Kimball, the devil's whatever. That was a movie. I just, I just like for some reason, we, we hear that in different times. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's when Christopher was trying to look for his arc. Noah. You know who had an arc? Noah. He had an arc. <laughs> and then. Um, then of course, you know, Tony mentioned Gary Cooper on uh-huh. the Christopher Columbus episode on season four, which is called Christopher. You know, I just find those scenes kind of funny where everybody's referencing uh-huh. a movie and, and they're like, that's a movie. And There's it's no- funny because it's like, <laughs> pretend. it's like they're kind of, you know, do as I say, not as I do, because they also have their own stuff that they get fired right. up over. And it's like, that was a movie or that's exactly that big of a deal. It's like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. This is, it, it definitely is. I love the humor with it. I'm always a sucker for dark humor when it comes to stuff regarding like the Sopranos, the Departed, and stuff like that. It's crazy I'm how always much humor something. there really is when you like go down into it. Definitely. Most definitely. Um, then, of course, you actually have Tony selling. The building, I'm not going to go into details on how much he sold it for or anything like right. that. That's not really relevant. Um, 
and then we're going to go into episode nine. One of my, one of my, one of my, definitely my, one of my favorites. I mean, it's hard to, I, I still, I, I'm, I've not been able to have like a top 10 or and any sort of order of like, oh, this is my first favorite, second, third, et cetera. But the ride's usually at least in the top 10 somewhere. Yeah, the ride is definitely a good episode. It's It ends up switching the tone where you have this big, huge uh, event, this huge festival that happens in New Jersey. And, of course, you know, funding goes, goes into it with the Catholic Church. Polly's there doing, trying to get the funding for it and telling him. And then the church wants more money for it. And then, of course, he tells them, look, we're going to need more than what we had last year. And for him to use the hat, it's going to be even more money and stuff like that. He goes, I thought my offer right, was paid right. for all this. Well, that's, that's <laughs> funny because that's how it reminded me of also like in back in season two when he was asking the, 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 his, his pastor, like, I, I thought I, I should have had immunity for all this shit for my donations. Um, <laughs> but it also, it was, yeah, like they, they're not used to being, to being challenged, but I thought what also was interesting is the fact that, you know, the guy is kind of like, okay, well, for $50,000, I'll, I'll feel more comfortable about it. And it just, it, it's, it's, you know, it shows, it's like, there's always a, a monitor. There's always a price. Like. Exactly. They wanted him to see? pay $50,000. People, <laughs> Right. Polly doesn't want to. <laughs> right. And it's funny it's, because it's like, it's one of those things funny. where you, you, you you wouldn't or you'd understand why the why the the priest why he would not sort of trust them because they are shady but then at the same time it's like but you're also asking for fifty thousand dollars so you're also kind of shady exactly i actually see oh, Polly yeah, as a cheapskate sure. though anyways because if you actually especially oh, with yeah. the rides and everything else the maintenance work and stuff like that he was trying to sh- prove a point to the uh, Catholic Church and everything that he's not going to bow down to him, and then it backfires right. on him at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, he was. Yeah, and he <laughs> but, was just. I mean, he really at that point, you know, that was after he had found out that that Nucci was his his aunt. I mean, he was just acting really irrational for a while there. He was, and then also too, I liked it when it replaced right, right, right. <laughs> it was very blunt. <laughs> It reminds me of a couple times when that, that right. I think Carmel has been like, fuck the business. <laughs> right. Um, then, of course, we actually have Christopher watching Saw. Christopher's girlfriend is pregnant. Chris talks about how Adriana couldn't have kids and how she's probably off screwing some other drug addict that, um, and everything. And I thought that was actually funny. I'm like, okay, you're trying to play the Adriana card. It was so, again, like, so irrational. <laughs> like, his... I mean, I guess not for, for Chris, it wasn't, but like, I mean, it was, it was so telling when he, you know, kind of looked at her and then he like touched her stomach and he was like, my baby. And I feel like it meant it was really like, it, it, it symbolized a lot because it's like, that was just, he was thinking about himself. Like he was only, he was excited about the baby Mm -hmm. to the extent that it was an extension of him. Like he didn't say our baby. Like it was just always about him. Right. That's it. I didn't think of it like that. Because like, he was that, like, you know what I mean? He's point. not saying like our baby, like our family, like just my baby, like as if it's just mm-hmm. his, as if she's not, like not hers, or if it's 
Right. Like she's right. not even caring or, or she's caring just like the a vessel for caring okay. it. But like yeah. he's like not like he actually cares about that person. Right. As a matter of fact, remember Tony referenced that too to Carmela because for crying out loud, Carmela, you're right, the mother exactly. of my children. So you could, um, yeah, I mean, in many ways you could, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony had said that to Carmela at one point way back when, when she was pregnant. Right. So I could definitely see him, like, if this was in the prequel show, a prequel movie and everything, where he actually tells Carmela right. that, I wouldn't uh-huh. be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Speaking of that, I'd be excited but, for that uh, to come out in a few months. Me too. I'm definitely excited about it. This is actually going to be another thing that we're probably going to review. I th- I'm glad that we're yeah, actually like, reviewing the Sopranos yeah. and then having to go in. Right. I feel like it'll add more to it and everything. And it's still fresh in our heads to the point where like, okay, so this might actually be where it was referenced right. in episode da 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 or season da 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 da. So I think, it, I think it will actually add some flavor to yeah. it, yeah. to be no, honest with you, when idea. we do this. And uh, Mike will be on uh, next week and everything too. He's uh, his schedule has gotten busy with uh, with work. He works over at a casino and everything. Oh wow, yeah, guard, I can so imagine. He's a little busy. Right now that seems like more things are opening up. I imagine it'd be uh, busier than even in than usual. Exactly. Cool. So he'll be back next week when we do the last two episodes. But um, Chris tells Tony that the guy. Uh, the guys he's married and is having a baby. Uh, Chris and Tony are. This is also too. Tony sees Michael's when. Uh, oh yeah, this is also too where. Uh, you know, Tony sees right. The oh, it's robbing right, yeah. and they steal. Uh, and steal the wine from the Vipers. Chris uh, kills one of the members mm-hmm. I thought that was actually and it was like funny. i almost feel like there was their that was kind of their, their last hurrah um tony and christopher in terms of just like a kind of good you know time together whatever regardless of what they were actually doing because i feel like really after that I mean, that was kind of like you know things seem to go downhill from there definitely yeah the relationship with him and uh tony definitely goes downhill after this but it was a good bonding time. They actually have a connection with each other. They're joking around about that whole entire deal. Especially when uh, Tony's putting yeah. the wine down in the cellar. We're the Vipers. And just uh, joking around. And at this time, uh, Chris also relapses and goes into mm-hmm. drinking the wine with Tony. Which is not surprising considering that, you know, there have been many, Everything. many times after he'd gone back from rehab where Tony was, Tony or, you know, Tony B or the others who kind of, you know, try to egg him on. Or not necessarily tried to, to egg him on, but just kind of, you know, just kind of shooting the shit themselves. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised shit. that he did after a while. Exactly. So then we actually have flashbacks about him going to Tony about Adriana working with the feds. Tony, uh, Chris is um, wearing a wire. Chris doesn't want to whack Adriana. So mm-hmm. I thought that I liked how they actually yeah, played into I, that. I think it's I like how they kind of did the the the, the look back, but uh, yeah, it was just it was you know after seeing it and then knowing of course like how Chris and, and and Tony's relationship ends up, it's 
it's so like bittersweet just when you see them together because it's you know just things are going to take such a, a bad turn definitely and then um this is also too i thought that i like the flashback scene i definitely liked how rough he actually looked i thought the makeup looked really good on chris on it, michael and everything and then you know just some of the guilt and everything and going to tony and knowing that he he's not even afraid to go to tony because he's also had a lot of bad beef with tony before and, and now he's thinking that because he's a drug addict that he's going to be ratting him out which is not the case it's just mm-hmm. showing his loyalty yeah, towards it's, tony it's, it's very it's you know it, it, overall a very bittersweet episode definitely and then let's see here we actually have the festival with Tony and Phil. Tony wants to see if Phil is interested in uh, taking uh, vitamins on a, from a delivery truck. Carmela talks to Adriana's mother, thinks that Adriana is dead, and Christopher was involved. Oh, I just I thought. Uh, it was is there anything that you want to add to that? She just assumed that um, that a- that Adriana's mom was 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 drunk, and she's like, "It's not drunk. It's called depression." And I feel like that was kind of, you know, went along with the whole theme throughout the show of, of them not really liking to, to talk about like depression or always kind of like making something that's a mental illness and like uh, attributing it to some sort of like physical source. Like, oh, it's you have cancer. Or like, oh, mm-hmm. you're just, you're drunk. Um, and so I just thought it was kind of like, obviously she was in a bad state of mind, but, you know, she was just very straightforward. She was. She was definitely straightforward with everything, and, and right. you know what? Her suspicions are actually right. But Carmela has like blind blinders on, still acting like no. Adriana went on ahead and moved on with somebody else, and she was cheating on him. But you know, right. mother's gonna right, know. Exactly. Mother's gonna know. You and know? it was just, I guess it was you know for Carmela, it was easier, just like how she you know throughout her life, throughout the you know twenty something years she was with Tony. It was easier for her to kind of look the other way and 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 play ignorant and, and not really ask any questions that uh, I, I imagine she probably figured deep down that, that it was true. Right. And then let's see here. Then we also have the third party. He's addicted to heroin. Chris is telling him about his new house as the guy is about to get high. Chris starts to do heroin again. He does, then this is like a really bad heavy hit that he has. Like, you can definitely oh, yeah, tell this is actually a turn for the he, worst. I mean, he hadn't done it in you a know? while. So I imagine even just like probably doing a regular amount that he had done previously probably is what, you know, like got him all, you know, super messed up. Especially right. when you look at him petting the dog, him wandering around the festival. Mm-hmm. He's just totally out of it. He's like totally on autopilot the whole time. Another part of that, you know, why the episode is sad is because yeah, you you can see like his downfall and and you know he pretty much you know went from being kind of on the straight path to I mean that was pretty much you know I don't know like rock bottom would be the right but but certainly way down there. Yeah, the relapse is basic bad relapse and everything. And what relapsing can do to you and everything, especially after taking that much right. Of a dosage. Right. And it, it's interesting also how that same episode, I, I feel like he kind of, you know, tries to 
kind of just like numb things by by filling them with other things and i felt like that was similar with the house like when he just kind of went out and just like bought the house it was like he just wanted to have the appearance yeah right impulse and wanting impulse. to just have the appearance of like everything being good and you know thinking oh let's just buy like a nice big house so like we can just have this nice little like suburban family even though he knew that that was you know it was a lot more complex than that Right, and not only that, but if you think about it, most drug addicts also think on impulse anyways, too. And so Chris thinking on impulse and everything is kind of foreshadowing into what he's right, doing. Now, right, right. Well, yeah, and I think even, you know, whichever, you know, whoever it was, was, you know, Christopher with the drugs or, you know, Tony with gambling, it was like they all had their, you know, they were all just chasing something different. And it was, you know. Right. And I also think that. I also feel like him oh, buying yeah, a house 100%. resembles Tony. Oh, yeah, 100%. He wants, where to, he like, wants have to be the, like Tony. The, you know, the big nice house. It, it really reminded me a lot of Johnny Sachs, of their house, just because I think, like, just the it being, like, with the, you know, the, the big, like, grass behind them. But, yeah, no, he thought, like, that was kind of what he was supposed to do. Exactly. And that's also what Tony would wanted him to do as well, but not onto the extravagance of this soon. I think that he wanted him to build first before he well, right. Well, I think and also he was it, ever since Christopher did the you whole know. I'm gonna go to you know luxury lounge and and try to you know get the, get this movie made. You know, after the thing he told Tony about when he was just emerging from a coma, I think <laughs> he was already kind of you know didn't have best right. vibes about Christopher after that. So definitely not and then let's see Carmela confronts Tony about Adriana's uh, mother suspecting Chris of killing Adriana uh, Polly's doctor about being checked for prostate there's cancer there's a lot a lot of, a lot of stuff, lot of stuff. Episode, um, one, though, but... one really like sweet thing that I liked about this this episode well a couple things was when uh, was when Tony and, and Nika when when she was going back to the ride and then he like picked her up picked her up and twirled around with her I just thought that was just like a very you know Kind of like Oasis mm-hmm. in the middle of otherwise sad shit. Sweet. Right, mm-hmm. some light lightness into the darkness and everything. So I thought that was actually pretty neat. Um, then, of course, you know, I actually have to say, whenever um, Carmela starts a- asking Tony questions, that's whenever he tells... Uh, yeah, Tony so she can get busy with something else. On the Beck house. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> because then she started getting octopi- occupied with yeah. doing, um, a PI to investigate on what actually happened to Adriana right. uh-huh. and everything I thought that was actually pretty funny and then you know then Polly might actually and has prostate cancer um, then you actually have Bobby Jr. and his sister on the teacup ride the ride breaks down among functions causing a kid to bust his lip and nose Polly gets a call, little Polly, about the ride, and Polly doesn't care. Janice is making a big deal about the ride. Janice is pretending that her neck is fractured. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, like she's going to milk that no matter what. Uh, whatever she was getting on the disability for, I forget. Oh, the Epstein bar, and then she had the, the thing with her hands from the steam milk machine. It's always something. Right. <laughs> and, you know, that's like the last thing that needed to happen with Polly Sr. Because I feel like 
Janice is always going to try and milk something that more than what it is. And oh, yeah. That, and her being on like, that, that ride was not was the person who you wanted to shirt. get even like you the know? slightest bit injured. <laughs> no. And then, of course, uh, Bobby beats up the ride operator and Bobby finds out Polly was involved. Bobby wants the operator to pay $25,000. Bobby see, sees Polly and yelling oh, and yeah, some yelling was, match was, between the both. That was, I mean, I hadn't really seen uh, Bobby really angry like that before then, or, or at least not that I can remember. And uh-huh. Same. Bobby's pretty much mild-tempered. He keeps everything on the inside rather than letting it out. So that is something I really liked about Bobby's right. character. He's very right. reserved. Yep, himself. exactly. But I mean, I guess, you know, I, I certainly understand why he was mad because, you know, Polly was trying to be cheap. Right. You know, we, well, don't forget, he didn't want to pay the 50K towards the church. Nevertheless, uh, check and make sure these right. I mean, it's the only that's right you know, that's what they do cut so, corners, like they make a like, living cutting corners, <laughs> exactly. And then Bobby leaves Tony, talks to Polly about the ride. Polly tells Tony most of the money goes to Tony. Um, then at the bottom, being I love this scene at the bottom, being it's kind of haunting but also kind of funny though at the same time. Um, Polly walks in. The in the morning time, oh, and yeah. the statue of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, on that stage. was so funny, and because I think that I think that almost like ins- you know makes him think he has to like make things right with 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 Nucci. I mean, or it might not be directly, but I don't know. I feel like he almost it almost makes him think like maybe I don't really know what the hell is going on. Right, and there's also guilt and shame though too about right, not doing exactly. something about it beforehand. Right, as well. It's like for a kid, like cheating on a test. And right, he's exactly. He's hearing the word cheater. Right, exactly. But really, he's exactly. hearing so cheetah. His, yeah, it's like he's, that's his way, his way of like his, yeah, manifesting his guilt. Right. And then let's see here. Then um, Bobby goes to his mom's apartment and watches. Uh, oh, yeah. No, no. It's Tony that, uh, it's um, Polly that goes to his mom's apartment and watches right. TV, makes up with his mom. Saying that with him not knowing he has cancer, uh, she's all that he has. That that's what I basically I'm just saying subliminally that basically because of the fact he has prostate cancer, he has nowhere else to go. He can't go to Tony. He can't go to anyone else. At the end of the day, that's his mom. No matter which way you uh, sugarcoat it, and basically it's just saying him saying that um that right, that's all exactly. he has. Like it's the mom. end of the day, like that's. You know he was gonna come 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 back to her, and you know it certainly didn't mean that like you know his behavior had been okay or that everything was resolved. But like you know that was his mom. Like what else? You know what I mean? There wasn't gonna be any other option. Exactly. Okay, so now we're going into Mo and Joe episode ten. This is gonna be our last little section that we're gonna be talking about. So let's go on ahead and dive into it. Um. So let's see here. We have uh, Johnny's trial is coming up. Feds did a network of how much John's estate is worth. Um, Jenny has nothing to live on. Maserati, he has a Maserati, and everything else he owns comes to a million dollars. 
Janice feels like Tony doesn't respect Bobby and that Janice thinks J- Tony yeah. hates her. Janice just wants money. Yeah. That's basically what I yeah. put in uh, yep. and then, and then, <laughs> yep, exactly. And then with the whole, with the house, she, you know, she's like, no one's ever done something so nice for me. <laughs> and just tearing up. I know. Like, she, so said she, play, she plays her part you know? so well, though, because it's like, she's just so, like, like she, she does such a good job of being Janice. <laughs> she does. She does definitely do a good job. As a matter of fact, I saw her on Money Train as a little cameo. Like, <laughs> oh, there's Janice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at that point in time, she was actually that robbing somebody. Sense. So I was like, oh, okay. So this is back in like robbed. <laughs> and get this, even though that kiss tattoo is fake, she actually had that same kiss tattoo on wow, uh, that money must be that's like well. her signature when she's on a show, like tattoo, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it, it really is. So, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I don't know if you want to touch on anything else about that as far as uh, Johnny's trial. Yeah, I thought it was uh, the fact that you know he. And, I mean, I think he did the right thing by 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 pleading because I mean. He kind of, you know, with all the evidence and, you know, possibility of who knows how many years if he went to trial, you know, he wanted to be, he loved his family. Exactly. He would do anything for his family, even though it's depleting Jenny out of the estate mm-hmm. that she lived in. in which and putting like, Janice there. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And pretty much, it, and pretty much everything that Johnny, Johnny owns is now part of uh, Tony's like for instance you had uh, t- you had uh, Christopher that brought the Maserati and everything and then you also have uh, Tony who bought the house for uh, Janice so basically you have two members of the New, New Jersey uh, mafia owning something that belongs right. to the New York mafia. right yeah it's just it's it's just so interesting like the whole the whole setup and then of course how you know even when I guess that goes into in a later episode but with you know, Phil, like the fact that he, you know, essentially admitted to the existence of this thing, like how, you know, that was uh, just a whole other dynamic mm-hmm. too. Exactly. So now we're going to get into Vito in the library and Jim calls Vito out on his lies. Vito explains the situation and why he can't go back to Jersey. Jim gives Vito a job. Right, which a then he watches it <laughs> and which he then, you know, checks the time every five minutes. <laughs> And I like the, like, like, you know, I like the voiceover. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could go some for some more of those Johnny cakes. Yeah. The, the sausages, And he's like, too, by the time, they, but so an good. hour and a half, we'll be halfway okay. through the day. <laughs> Don't look at your watch. Just savor it. You earned it. And then he goes, okay, I'll look at it. You earned it. And then, <laughs> he's like, and then oh. he found him like, sleeping yeah, the, 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 the woman when he was laying down. Um. <laughs> right. I... And then, of course, Vito's in bed with uh, Jim, Bobby, and his train. Bobby Jr. doesn't want to spend time with Bobby. This is also another thing of, that Tony was having with AJ, basically, where he was breaking away, wanting to spend more time with his friends versus right, spending time right, with Tony. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I just, I thought that was kind of, you know, just like another interesting example of kind of like how people's different behaviors change and spending time with people and it's 
you know, one of those things where also like they were so stoic and they wouldn't want to admit that something bothered them and then it did just end up being worse. Exactly. Right. And then, uh, of course, Carmella confronts Tony about the spec house. Tony sent Polly Jr. to handle it. Supervisor is fine with it, but the inspector is hard to deal with. Sylvia is going to pay a visit to <laughs> yep, the Yep, and then, the of inspector. course, you know, after you knew, like, once he, <laughs> he had to do it again, you're like, okay, now this sounds really serious, though. Otherwise, like, Carmella's going to start looking into some, some shit. And I think the, and the funny thing also is, like, it's in Syl's interest, too, because Syl's the one that actually killed her. So it's, like, in his own interest for them not to, like, for Carm not to start digging around in terms of the thing with Adriana. Right. And I also like how he looks at Silvio and the, uh, and the uh, strip club, too. He goes, you know that thing I told you about? Where I said, uh, don't that we're uh-huh. not going to be doing the uh, real estate, right? Anymore. Right, yeah, exactly. Well, you're going to lean on the inspector, <laughs> but then Vito gets caught napping right. on the job, yep. <laughs> and uh, he goes, What? I wasn't napping, I was just resting my eyes for a minute. <laughs> um, Vito and Jim goes to a house to save someone. Vito calls the power, uh, cuts the power. Jim feels like Vito is in, is taking away. Yeah, Jim's that, I think that was that that was interesting because it's like he he was trying to be helpful, but I almost yeah maybe he was like it's almost kind of like you know like this is my kind of territory, not like in that not in a sense where I don't want you to be here, but just almost mm-hmm. like you know this is my like saying like don't you can't just become part of it just because we're you know together we're seeing each other. Right, because you don't see the wives going over there, anybody's uh, firemen, wives, or anything like that going over to cut the power, go inside the burning house. He's like saying, look, this is my career, this is my thing. Look, you can support me from right. a distance, but, but you can't be also, a part you know, of this. He was used to being entitled to whatever he felt he was, you know, like, so similar to the other guys. So for him, it's probably like, he didn't even think, like, of course I'm going to go check out and see what's up. That's uh interesting dynamic overall. Right. Uh, let's see. But and then after that, Bobby get uh, gets beat up after getting money from the bookie. They take Bobby's money and they take his gun and fires it, and also ricochets and fi- goes into his eye, causing, um, like I said, causing the bullet to arc. Uh, Tony gets a call from Polly about Bobby. Polly tells. Oh Tony yeah, and then he said, "I'm worried it's gonna oh, oh no, actually, they mean, they mean and, the, the the former one. Um, so yeah, I keep going. Okay. Uh, no one goes, uh, to that part of New York where Bobby gets, got, got jumped at. Vito's cooking dinner for Jim. He was afraid something was going to happen to Vito when he cut the power off at the church. That's why he went off on Vito. Was there anything else that you want? Was there anything that you wanted to cover um, with any, I, some of the I stuff I mentioned? You, you did a pretty, a pretty good job. I mean, of course, it just... You know, once once Vito has to go back, of course, I think it's you know almost like he, yeah, he he. he okay. It's almost kind of like when you're in a sort of toxic relationship or toxic system. It sometimes if something's all you know, then you, yeah, you're gonna go back to because it it's what's it's what you. You're gonna go it's back what's to what's comfortable, what's familiar, even if it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Because it's so familiar to him and he's used to it. He's not used to this physical labor or anything right. like that. He's going to go him, to where he's, what he's good at. Does. Which is it, it does. <laughs> but let's see here. It, that that was a sad way of actually killing him off, you know? I, I really felt bad for Vito. Vito's character is probably the most sad whacking that you can get in The Sopranos, aside from Tony B in a way, because Tony B kind of did it to himself. Right, although I was with sad this, with it's for, totally for, different. Like, with, for Adriana and Big 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 Poster also, but I guess, you know, it's for, of course, for different mm-hmm. different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the kids. Right. And I felt bad for those two, too, Marie. as well. Like, because they just, you know what I mean? They obviously didn't, you know what I mean? Like, that was, of course, they were very all, like, damaged from that. I mean, look what happened. And his little Vito, um, you could tell how how much that really messed them up. Definitely. And then, let's see, we have Johnny. He's doing 15 years in prison, 4.1 million. He keeps the home. Jenny's uh, IRA, uh, 45,000 IRA for 10K, $110,000. 15 years, Johnny will be 67. And to do the allocation, Tony doesn't know what to say or do about Meadow and Finn's relationship. I love when um, Meadow. Oh, yeah, then he's just really big Right, he's just looking at her, and it looks like he's just getting, basically bothering him because he's about to eat some gabagool or something out of the freeze, uh, of the refrigerator. And he goes, "You know who would be really good at this? Your mother. Your mother would be a good person to talk to." I mean, and then, but then when he says he's living in sin, I think she she's like, "What?" Because she's like, "Really? Like you're so hypocritical?" Because he's like, "You, you know what I mean? Like you sleep around with people and you're all do all this shit, and you're gonna tell me that I was living in sin." Right, <laughs> exactly. Because he's all he's being his right, own exactly. hypocritical self to everybody else but himself. Um, then of course Vito crashes into someone's car. Vito shoots the guy and drives off. Tony makes Johnny sell Johnny's house to Janice for twenty-four. Uh, to Janice, and that's yeah. actually how a lot a lot happens. That ends. <laughs> so. But yeah, a lot happened, but it was also very entertaining during that whole season, to be honest with you. At first, I don't know about you, but I mean, like when it first aired, I wasn't sure what to make of it, what to think of it, because it didn't really feel like it connected to much. But then once you watch these, this in order, and then once you watch it from that from a different perspective, especially reviewing it, you right, realize how right, much it's exactly, actually cohesive, how much it actually connects. And you're connect. like, oh, you realize that you that know? then connects to something later in the season or, or, Oh, you see how these, this was a pattern of something that happened before. Um, it's, yeah, it kind of, it, it's, and, and the more you watch it, I feel like the more, just the more things you notice and observe that you're like, Oh, and things that you may not have even thought of before. It's kind of like, sometimes it's just an epiphany. You're like, Oh, wait, that, that seems like that, but it's, you know, it's so interesting overall. Most definitely. And, um, is there anything else that you would like to actually mention about any of the other ep- parts um, that we mentioned I in the in this part of right the now. episode? Um, sure, of course, there'll be something in a few hours. And I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot okay. to say that. Okay. But uh, for now, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay, same here as well. 
So, so uh, my question is this, where can everybody follow you at? Uh, website, uh, sopranosblueprint.com, uh, which is a, a blog that has different uh, Sopranos quizzes and trivia, along with different blog posts on episodes and characters and, and memes and GIFs. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at srosendorf1014, uh, Instagram at srosendorfdiaz, and then you can also find me on TikTok at, uh, at sopranosblueprints. Uh, and if you find one, you'll find the rest because they can all connect to one each other, uh, to one another. Okay, that's pretty cool. And uh, you guys can go on ahead and you can follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook, underneath the same name, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Instagram, and of course on Pinterest as well. You guys can also go on ahead and follow me on Stereo at Movie Lovers Unit over there. Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. You can also, of course, go on ahead and call, uh, follow me over at John DeGorio 8 on Twitter. For all your entertainment needs and wants, just go on ahead, head over to www.movieloversunite.com. Of course, you can go on ahead uh, subscribe over to our YouTube channel at Movie Lovers Unite. And then, of course, want to donate to the show? You're just going ahead, go to www.gofundme.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast. And that's where all the places you can follow me at coming soon. We have some merch coming out. So get yourself a, t- a Mafia Talks t-shirt. And, uh, you know, it's gonna, we're going to be selling them for $20 each. I'll be advertising that pretty soon. And that's everything that you guys need to know. And always, until next time, I appreciate it, Stephanie. I appreciate you taking the time out of your night to review uh, these uh, yeah, last couple episodes. And everything. A, Can't a wait to do it again next week. Sopranos. most definitely and always until next time guys it's been real hello movie lovers and welcome to the show this is your host as always from movie lovers unite john degorio and i just want to talk about something real quick and that is audible what is audible i'm so glad that you guys asked audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books ranging from bestsellers like Anne rice stephen king the list just goes on their whole entire catalog when it comes down to audio books is just fantastic if you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast go ahead go to audible you're not going to regret it they actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on you can actually go on ahead go to the link and it'll bring you up to that trial and a matter of fact every month members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digest from the new york times the wall street journal and the washington post as well as guided meditation programs another thing too guys that's not all they have they also have they also have finish if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021 they have stuff for that too like finishing more books or becoming a better parent leader or a person how-to books which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless.